This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Clock and Talk, an Arsenal podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'm your host, Tez. You can find me at Guna. Tez, um, look, I've got no fucking good news for you this week because, as you probably all witnessed last night, the onslaught that we got absolutely smashed by Liverpool. But uh, as as we go through and about the game and as we do every week, um, here we are. So, Tony, you're with us, mate. I am uh, back from a lovely day trip to Liverpool. Um, it actually was a decent day, apart from the football, which I feel like I say that quite a lot, which is a bit annoying. Beautiful weather. Hey, it actually was a really nice day. The pub was decent. Uh, yeah, as I said, the football was the problem, but I, I say that so often that I'm kind of getting bored of saying that. <laughs> and Schwinn's not with us uh, this week, but we have Darren from Adeli Guna stepping in. Welcome, Darren. How are you, mate? Thanks very much. Thanks for having me back on again. It's good. It's a, it's a particularly bad weekend for me because I don't know if you know, but I'm married. I've been with a, a to a girl from Liverpool and a red. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a particularly bad weekend. I didn't go yesterday. Uh, I've been up there the last three years and uh, we've just got avid each, each time. So I decided to give it a miss this time. But I've been getting loads of grief, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those who do follow Darren from the Delhi Guna, you've moved back into the UK, mate, and you settled in. That's right. Yeah, I've been in India for four years, which was a, a mad, mad experience. I uh, hosted the Arsenal India podcast, member of the Arsenal Delhi Supporters Club. Uh, but I'm, I'm backing in England now. I've got my season ticket and uh, and I'm moving away. The only thing I really missed, of course, you miss friends and family, but uh, the Arsenal's always been part of my life and uh, uh, I'm just glad to be back. It's great to be at the Emirates. It was last week. No, awesome, mate. Awesome. Um, and good to have you on this on this show and you'll be featuring pretty regular when Schwinn's not available, so it's good to have you, mate. Oh, so I'm Schwinn's substitute. <laughs> what, is, what is that? What does that make me? Giroud? I don't know. Who's who? Oh, mate, it, it, it'd be better than a Giroud. <laughs> I hope so. My aim this year is to make him second choice, okay? <laughs> Wouldn't be hard to do, let me tell you. Well, come on. All he does is make up statistics all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, as he give you the XG, the XG room. Oh, honestly, uh, uh, it's just nonsense. I, I'm, I'm old school. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. I've been a supporter since '71. That shows how old I am. So uh, yeah, XG is just nonsense to me. I can watch a game and I can tell who should have won, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I like your style, mate. I like your style. Um, uh, this week we also had some Patreon members. You can get. Uh, don't forget. I haven't got the website up at the moment, but you're going to get us on our Patreon stuff. You'll find it in our bio on Twitter. And uh, thank you everybody for our Patreon members. Um, and also Tony will have a shirt to give away in the near future for our Patreon members as well. Yeah, I think it's coming up to very soon. I'm not sure. I haven't checked, but it's got to be close. Yeah, yeah, too Okay, boys, let's get into this game. Uh, the fucking shit fight against Liverpool. Uh, look, I've, I've just got nothing nice to say about this game, Tony, but I will go to you and we'll start as we do start every week with a line-up, mate. I, I just didn't get it. It didn't make sense to me. Um, you looked at the names and it was essentially four centre midfielders. And then Pepe, who we all assumed was going to play on the right, there was no one to naturally play on the left. It looked like it was going to leave Aubameyang exposed. It it probably didn't play out the way I thought it was going to when I saw that lineup. But I kind of looked at it and thought, "What's he done? Like, what? What's the plan?" And I don't know if you guys would have seen it, Darren. You might have done that. Even on Match of the Day, they interviewed Klopp, and he said, "I didn't have a clue." He's like, "We've watched Arsenal." He said closely for the last eight or nine games, but obviously we've seen them a lot anyway, just being in our league, and we've never seen them play like that. So it was like it, 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 but he was laughing as he was saying it. It was almost like he thought we'd set up completely wrong, which it seems a lot of Arsenal fans do as well. But yeah, just just from the team, it looked a bit like what what's how are we trying to play here? What are we trying to do? Mm-hmm. I'm still no, not sure. So. Darren, your thoughts on that one, mate? Yeah, I slightly disagree, which is always good, I suppose. I, I thought. And sort of agreed the way he was going to play there was, you know, he put Jacker in to strengthen up the midfield a little, give us an extra body in there because of Liverpool's good midfield. Um, and then I thought what his plan was to play uh, Aubameyang sort of wide out left and uh, Pepe wide out right and to stop the the, the right and left back. You know, they've got great uh, fullbacks at Liverpool, Robertson and... Uh, Who's the other one? Arnold. Uh, keep them pushed back a little. And I thought that was it. We were just going to sit deep and then lump the ball up <laughs> to uh, Aubameyang and uh, and Pepe. And to a certain extent, I mean, look, we, we caught Liverpool on a really, really good day yesterday. I mean, they were outstanding. Um, I wanted VAR to check how many players they had on the pitch because they seem to have one or two more than us everywhere. But I think that's that was the plan, was to, to, to leave those up wide up front and just to give us an out ball um, as it happened you know it, it didn't really work Liverpool were magnificent and and we every time we, we we took that option of kicking it up the times it worked it worked really well you know when Aubameyang and Pepe got on the ball but 90% of the time it didn't work the ball just came straight back and we were under the cosh for, for the whole game yeah, look, I, I, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit of well there, Darren, and that's the beauty of everybody having a different opinion. Um, so your thoughts, you've followed Arsenal, for, for, as you said, since 71. When was the last time you ever seen an Arsenal football team sit back and play long? Well, I think the, where the problem was yesterday, and we're going to talk, I'm sure, about Danny, Danny Onions, Danny Ceballos. Yep. Uh, he... I think if he had 
played like he had last week. And I think they were going to try and put him as the link man sitting behind those those two forwards. And he was so outstanding last week. And he was as bad yesterday as he was good last week. Now, I'm not going to judge a player on a couple of performances. Mm. But I think that was the plan, was to have him as the, the outboard, the tip of the diamond, if you like. And I think, you know, the idea was to try and find him. And that was our link play. Uh, and we were going to play counter-attacking football against Liverpool. That was the plan. Whether that's the plan, you know, whether that's the right plan or not, that's that's up for debate. But I think that was what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on. No, no, I'll, I'll go to Tony quickly. I just thought you had, were interrupted there by, by a little puppy there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it was. <laughs> um, Tony, let's, let's touch on, because Darren did bring it up, Sabayas. He was shit. I said last week, you can't take everything. You can't, he has one good game and everyone's saying he should win the Ballon d'Or. And I said last week that you can't judge a player on one game. And I'm also not going to judge him and now say, oh, he is actually shit. But he didn't play well. He was completely anonymous. I actually, the only time I looked at my phone all day, uh, even before the game, I wasn't really on Twitter to see people's opinions. I looked at half time mainly because I wanted to see what VAR were checking where the potential red card, so I didn't have a clue. But I looked at half-time and people were, were slating Xhaka. And this is not me saying Xhaka played well or trying to defend Xhaka or anything to do with Xhaka. But you've got everyone hammering Xhaka, and I thought Ceballos was absolutely lost. He was not in the game at all. When he did have the ball, he gave it away pretty much every time. He'd, he'd done nothing, but it's Arsenal fans in it, so... There's, there's certain names, but before the game starts, that they're, they're going to get blamed. I actually saw someone after the game blame Ozil, which fits, <laughs> fits what happens with Arsenal fans on Twitter. The only one that's got aware of it so far is Mustafi, but I'm sure there'll be a tweet pop up between now and the end of the show saying it was all Mustafi's fault for some reason. <laughs> oh, look, oh, look, my thoughts on Sabayas was he, he was he was great last week, and we all give him our three points and. And, but, you know, this is against a Burnley team who sit back deep. My problem is Liverpool pressed so hard and so fast on him that he didn't have time to... I felt he didn't have time to to actually think about what was happening. Liverpool were just, just coming at, you know, a rushing well, pace. Where I will defend him is it's, we gave him the ball and he was getting pressed, but we actually didn't give him any options. So it was very hard for him to do anything right. And I, again, I blame the system for that. Well, but, I was just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Uh, no, but I still have to rate him on that performance, just because they didn't give it. Like I remember last year at Anfield, Aubameyang had something like seven touches, and everyone was saying how shit he was. And I said at the time that the system was what fucked him and, and our whole team's level of performance, which I think is the same with Sabayos yesterday. But if you're asking me to his individual performance, it was shit. He had no impact on the game. He should have got dragged at half time, but. I think that's right. I think you're you're absolutely right there. That was it was glaringly obvious. It was a game too far for him. It was too soon. He's he's you know players get better when they play in the Premier League. They get better over time, or they don't. But uh, he's one of these players that's you know got exceptional talent. And yesterday was a game too quick for him. He wasn't ready for that that type of game. I don't think he's ever played in a game like that. Uh, and I think I mean seeing I'm sitting in for Schwin. 
Uh, I did look at some of his stats this morning. Torreira touched the ball two times less than him yesterday and was on for a, a third of the game. Mm. Uh, he, he really wasn't involved. Uh, and I, But I think that's, you know, if, if he had played like he played last week, I think that was possibly the missing link. If we had a strong number 10 in there, a strong attacking central midfielder, or, you know, him when he's on top form, I think it could have worked. But there was no out ball for us. We just booted upfield to, to one of those quick players. Uh, and there was just a huge gap between the strikers and our, our, our midfield. And he was the one or someone should have been in that spot and there wasn't anyone there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and Tony, you make a really good point too with, you know, he had nobody, no option and, and nobody to go to. And, you know, I see a lot of people as well slating the hell out of Granite, um, you know, after the match. And, you know, people do know I'm a bit of a Granite fan. I want the guy to succeed. I love all the Arsenal players. But how can you criticise Granite? And I haven't seen much much hate for Guendouzi, but how can you criticise Guendouzi when he was told to sit deep and play long? Yeah, I, I don't again. Get it. But I say this on here every week, Tez, and, and, and you know it. You can write a lot of people's opinions before the game starts. Look, I, I wasn't joking. I have actually seen people criticise Ozil for yesterday's result. That's crazy. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. Like, I, and I it's just... the same with Jaffa. You know, and especially if he gives the ball away in the first 10 minutes, just write your match report then, because it don't matter what he does for the rest of the game. Mm. It was like Newcastle. He had the worst probably 25 minutes of any player. And then after that, he was pretty, he was quite good. I wouldn't say he was our best player, but he was up there. Mm. But match report, Arsenal fans write their match reports based on their opinion before the game and what happens in the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. My fear with, um, with Xhaka is that he just looks a little slow. You know, I mean, that's that's the the one thing. If you look at get back oh, I will to stats, agree. I will because, agree with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, we we um, I said talking about passing stats, Jacker was top of our list. You know, he was involved in everything. You know, yeah. I mean, whatever you love him or hate him, he's always involved. He's the linchpin. He's the go-to ball from the defenders. He, he's top of all the pass combinations. But he's uh, he just looks a little slow at that level, you know. And and playing against weaker sides, it's okay; he can get away with it. But I think yesterday, you know, all of them. I love Genduzi. I know uh, opinions a little split, but I think he's give me ten Genduzis in a side, and, and I'll happily go and watch us every week. I'm not saying ten midfielders, but ten players with his energy and work rate and commitment. Give me that. And he's learning. He's a kid. He's in his second year at the club. He's a very young man, and I can see he's going to be a real star in the future. Uh, and you've got to give him some leeway. Jack is not. Jack is now a very experienced um, main player for us. And yet quite often you find that he just, just turns out a little bit slowly, gets caught in possession. And yesterday against such a good high high-pressing team like Liverpool, you know, it didn't work at all, did it? And none of them really came out this with is, much glory. This is, this is my issue. I'm not saying he played well, but yes, he is slow. Yes, he does get caught in possession. And I'm not particularly defending him here, but people use that opinion to, to say why he's bad, even though in the game yesterday, that wasn't evident. If you watch that with a fresh set of eyes, again, I'm not saying he played well, but he didn't get caught. There was no times where he was turning like a bus and took ages to release the ball. But people, as I was saying, people have this predetermined... Uh, a weakness he does have I'm not saying it doesn't exist but it didn't show yesterday but people will still use that to criticise his performance yesterday like if you watch what actually happened at no time did I thought oh if Xhaka was a bit quicker there X, Y, Z would have happened but after the game you just see oh drop Xhaka he's too slow he's indecisive 
Can I, let's, let's, I mean, look, you'll get to know me as on the podcast. I'm a very a positive Arsenal fan. I hate the negativity that surrounds our club. And obviously, we just got bashed up by Liverpool. So it isn't easy to find uh, things that, that, to be positive about. But for 40 minutes in that game, until they scored, we hardly, our goalkeeper hardly had a shot to save. And we can, you know, we're talking about was Jack a good, was Gendouzi good. We know that Sabayos had a mare yesterday. But actually, sitting back like we did, we contained them, I thought, quite comfortably. I mean, you know, they were at us again and again and again. And because there was no outball for us, because there was no control of the football, uh, it, they just kept coming and coming and eventually they're going to score. But have you ever seen an Arsenal team under the cost like that for 40 minutes? And not gone three nil down. <laughs> you know that's what happened last season at Anfield. They, I, they scored three I, in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, look, I tend to I, look. I agree a little bit with you, but my my biggest my biggest problem is with that. Uh, what you say, Darren, is uh, obviously, and I said when was the last time Arsenal sat deep, but to sit deep and <laughs> just wait, wait, and wait. Now we've signed one one centre back in David Luiz, who is obviously the replacement for Mustafi. Okay. Now we haven't got a Maguire. We haven't got a, a Van Dyke. We have I don't know name a any other centre back. So we haven't really improved our our defence from last year. Now last year we looked fifty two goals. The year before fifty one something goals. I'm more than fifty one for both two, last two seasons. So what better has this our defence got to sit back against one of the best attacking teams in the Premier League? I don't. I just. Can't understand them tactics for the life of me. That just well, yeah. maybe. I was going to say, maybe Liverpool, you know, we're, we're away at Liverpool. That game always seems to come early in the season away from home. I don't know, somebody's having a laugh at the fixtures, uh, um, uh, who operates the fixtures computer, because it was it was too early for us, wasn't it? I mean, we're, we've got oh, some we had, new players turn, coming. I suppose, yeah. Well, we just got some. We've got some, you know, good signers. We're all a bit more excited. But Liverpool and City. I mean, if we're honest, how many of us think we're going to compete for the title this year? But what we can see is a plan in place with uh, the, the the new centre half that's an Etienne that's going to be here in a year. Saliba. Uh, there's Tierney, who's a young man. Great things I've heard about him from Scotland. Uh, Bellerin's, you know, uh, a young man still when he comes back into the team. Rob Holding, star for the future. Hopefully, the last six or seven games he played for the club, he looked like a leader that we're missing. You know, we're still playing. You know, we're, we're not planning for this year. We're planning for the future. Our goal this year is got to be Champions League. It's just got to be Champions League. We cannot afford another year out in the wilderness. We can't afford it financially. But, you know, we're. I, I don't want to get too down because we played away at Liverpool who were outstanding yesterday. I don't think anybody would have lived with them. And I think for, for 40 minutes, we did sort of hold our own. And if you look at the two chances that we created uh, before they scored a goal, um, uh, Pepe one-on-one and uh, Bamiyang, where he, he should have put the ball into an empty net, if I've been hypercritical. Mm. You know, we've got, we've got the first goal. The first goal in yesterday's game is, is so important with the way we're playing. Um, once we've gone behind, then, you know, they're just, that's when the tactics for me, we didn't seem to have a plan B. Once we've gone 1-0 down, half-time, we now need to change the way we, de- we do things. And we didn't. And, you know, I'm very rarely critical of, of our manager, but it was obvious that we couldn't just sit back and, and play like that for another 45 minutes. Yeah, no, that was my main issue. Um, Tony, any, any comment on any of that? I just think that team was, was waiting to lose and to not get battered. I think that was what he went there with. 
and let's be honest he got away with it we didn't get completely battered and we did lose you can say what we want about the first 40 minutes we had two chances that came out of luck really one was we cleared a corner and Henderson had a horrendous back pass and the other one Adrian we overhit a through ball and Adrian played it straight to Aubameyang we didn't create actually create anything uh, and they we gave the two best fullbacks possibly in Europe or at least with the best delivery all the time in the world I think that they put something like 16 crosses in the first half and okay we didn't concede from them but you can't keep doing that they had so many chances where they were just an inch short of the ball or the ball hit too high on their head they couldn't get over it to header it down we was literally just waiting to lose and then at one nil to not change it at half time again you're just you're just thinking okay we only conceded one if we do that again in the second half it's only two nil we haven't been battered mm. we've gone there with a with a mentality of a team that's trying to survive on goal difference um yeah look and that's been a lot of my biff today is it all it almost <laughs> a lot of us and I don't want to don't want to start fucking hammering Arsenal fans because look everybody you know everybody has their own opinion we're all like a bunch of arseholes at the end of the day but the problem I've got is hey I'm an Arsenal fan not a Tottenham fan I want to be putting I don't want to be putting pressure on a team for 40 minutes I want to be putting pressure on a team for 90 minutes and at least trying to walk away with some points um, we'll get into this game because we've been talking for about 20 minutes on different players and what. So, uh, Tony, we'll go to the, the first goal, deep in the first half, 40, 41st minute, mate. Yeah, just it's funny. Last season, I don't think we conceded a goal from a corner until the second last home game, something like that. And, and then now the, the third game of the season, it wasn't just, it was worrying because it wasn't just that corner they scored from. They looked like, they had loads where you thought, oh shit, we're in trouble, oh shit, we're in trouble. And I know Van Dyke is massive and very good in the air, but they don't really score too many goals from set pieces, um, which is probably a bit surprising considering their size and the delivery, the players they've got to deliver them. But it's just something they don't tend to do. But it looked like a big threat every time they had a set piece, which is probably quite worrying for us. Well, it's definitely quite worrying for us. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much really more you can say on it. Well, you say that, but if you say there was 16 crosses or whatever, and we defended most of them pretty well, you know, we we were under the cosh. They were cross. They were, you know, that was the issue yesterday. The ball kept coming back and back and back. They had so much attacking possession, so many balls put into our box, and until that corner, we dealt with it fairly well. We know that Leno's. I like Leno's. Again, let's see. You're getting. Uh, I'm saying set pieces. We look very shaky at every corner. I'm not saying we didn't deal well with crosses, although I think we got away with a few where they were in, like Firmino slid in and was just short. One just went over Salah's head. But corners, every time, even before that, there was one I think Van Dyke flicked on, another one a chance fell to someone scrappy, got blocked on the edge of the area. Considering our set-piece record last year, I thought we looked particularly worrying at corners. And I was quite surprised because, I mean, you got Burnley last week who are kind of not famed as a set-piece team, but are a lot more renowned as a set-piece team than Liverpool. And we didn't, didn't really ever look in too much trouble from their set pieces. But, but yesterday we just looked all at sea, which was a bit surprising considering we was a bigger team yesterday, bringing, bringing Xhaka back in and, and um, obviously the two centre-backs were the same as last week, so they should understand what they're doing. Uh, it was more of a surprise than anything. OK, Darren, um, so we go into the break. Yeah. 
I think everybody's trying to, you know, basically saying at half time we need to make some change to come out. Or, or are you thinking at one nil down half time? Oh, it's been a pretty good half. I'm pretty happy with that. Running out the same team, go at the same tactics. I think if it had uh, been nil nil at half time, um, Liverpool may have had to rework the way they were doing things. You know, if we'd have got, you know, just seen it through to half time, and I think that was part of it. You, you're letting the goal so close to half time. We're all down. The crowd's down. The players are down. Uh, I. Uh, but I think, you know, once we've gone one nil down, it was obvious that we needed to change things. And, you know, we touched on Ceballos. He was having a stinker, you know, and it, it, it was so obvious to anyone watching that he wasn't in the game. He was out of his depth. And that's when I thought we should have made, you know, it was crying out for Torreira or someone to come in and replace him. Um, even, and, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll blame Ozil. If Ozil was there and on the bench, you know, maybe <laughs> even having him as an outball um, somebody who can hold the ball up well and, and, and link the, the, the midfield to the attack because we just didn't have anyone in that space. It was a, a 40-yard gap, the whole game, it seemed, between our, our midfield and our attacking two. Mm-hmm. I just want to touch because at half-time, I think I was screaming, we need to fill this left side. Um, I've just got written on my notes here. Uh, there was so much space down our left, down our left that was ridiculous. So, um, both sides so narrow that every time they switched it Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold were just on their own you could see it from minute one that literally we played that weird diamond but it was a it was too narrow because they're all naturally centre midfielders so it was Willock on the left of the diamond and Guendouzi on the right neither of them really covered themselves in too much glory that's a bit unfair I'll go on to that later but they, they played narrow because they're naturally centre midfielders so every time there was just one big switch and, and as uh, Aaron said earlier it kind of relied on Bamiyang and, and Pepe trying to get wide to cover the fullbacks, which they weren't really able to do because they were trying to attack. Especially like they're both their main instincts is to try and get forward and score goals, and especially with the they were trying to run in behind on the break. So then they ended up narrow, the ball got switched and, and they had the freedom of Anfield. It wasn't one side I didn't think there was a particular bias to one side. It was just whatever side the ball was on, they had a big switch to the other one. An easy switch as well, because they had like forty yard margin for error. And and then there was loads of freedom. And can we address this diamond? I mean, I, I was a bit drunk by the time I watched Match of the Day last night, so I, I did see it and I did uh, hear their comments. And it was them that highlighted us playing as a diamond. Uh, but even the examples they used on the TV, I didn't think it was much of a diamond. It was more of a triangle. You know, the, the, we had three, you know, Willock, uh, Xhaka uh, and Genduzi were all sort of crushed up uh, our back four in a line of three with Ceballos just running all over the place not really doing anything it didn't really feel like a diamond to me we never got the, the diamond to actually get into shape you know we never got a chance to play it as a diamond was, uh, uh, yeah Guendouzi Granite and Willock well they they oh, not so much Willock because he had a little bit more room than Guendouzi and, and Granite but I dare say the instructions for Granite and um, and Guendouzi would just sit deep, sit as deep as yeah. you can. It just, yeah. I mean, the, the the issue with for me with Guendouzi, and I actually feel sorry for him. Look, I'm not his biggest fan. Everyone knows that, but they they played him in a position where I mean, I don't really know what he was meant to do. I don't know what they said to him. Like, this is what we want from you at like, this game. He was playing almost like as a right sided defensive midfielder. I, I looked just, at his heat map, this, and it was pretty much in the right defend defence. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I, I could see that watching the game. Yeah. Like, uh, and what is your job in that position? What You know what I mean? What? How do you have a 10 out of 10 there? I, I don't, like, and it's not his fault. He Look, I thought he passed the ball pretty well. He, he showed his usual energy, but I don't know what he was meant to do there. 
literally just seems to... I know, look, Torreira played that position, I think, once or twice last season. Remember, he played it at home to Chelsea because of Hazard. And although it was like a right-sided midfielder, defensive midfielder, he was basically there just to smash Hazard every time the ball went anywhere near him. Uh, and do you know when we first set up, I thought, okay, they're doing that with Mane because for me, Mane is Liverpool's danger man. I know Salah gets more goals, well, he didn't last season, but in general, Salah's a more of a goal threat. Mm. But for me, Mane is their best player. And I thought, okay, that's what they're doing. No, nope, they didn't do that. Look, Mane had a quiet game, but that wasn't because Guendouzi was out there as the extra man. I, I don't understand what they wanted that him was, to do. No. And I'm not blaming him at all. I thought what he actually done, he done well. But I, I don't understand what he was there to do. Well, this is what I was saying with Granite and everybody taking the piss and saying, oh, this can't split, you know, get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. Mate, he was told. He was basically in Socrates' uh, bloody pocket the whole game. Like, what, what do you want him to do? Playing, like, and this playing out of the fucking back against, you could see it was just, it was a shambles, an absolute, like, the, I don't know why at times we weren't just playing it long. Like, if, if you've got a Bamiyang and Pepe up there, just fucking boot the fucking cunt out of the ball and, and, and hope for the best. Because playing out from the back, we look so bloody shaky there at times. Uh, I, I, I just don't get the whole tactics, to be honest. It was really weird. Um, I will come back to you, Tony, because I know you want to have a talk about this, but I'll just get Darren's thoughts. So, uh, Salah obviously gets that... Obviously. Gets that second goal, mate. Um, yellow card, David Luiz, indoor penalty. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I like the signing of Luiz. I, I think it, it was it was a real nice stopgap experience. Uh, and we all knew he had a mistake in him. Uh, but not as many as must have been, we hoped. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, yesterday he made two. I think it's just, you know, that, that put up a shirt. It's just so stupid you know you you can't get away with it these days and it was so obvious um just let's hope that that's his two mistakes uh, out of the way for the season okay tony i think it's as soft a penalty as you're ever gonna see look did he pull his shirt yes there's no argument if there's a foul on a booking every time that happens they'll we'll spend the whole game watching free kicks and we'll end the game as a free aside game I think I agree if, if, if there was a crowded penalty area, if, if it was one of those that's just a little tug. But if you, the angle from the TV cameras yesterday, it was so obvious. Uh, you know, you could see his arm outstretched, the shirt pulled right off his back, and it was only a small tug. But you can't let that go. The guy was through on goal. I mean, I agree. You know, I mean, in, in the scheme of things, in penalty areas, there's lots of that going on, and most of them aren't given. But it was just the angle where the referee was, the, the, the way the TV cameras had it on yesterday. As soon as he's done it, you think, oh, it's a penalty. I mean, it was uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the video of, of Van Dyke's one on Pepe in the first half. Never in a million years is it a penalty, but it's absolutely... Absolutely no worse than, than Louise on on um, Salah. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, but that's look. Uh, good. We're going to go on to VAR later, so I won't go too much on it. But for me, if as I said, if that's a penalty, make the game five aside because that's what it's going to come down to. Literally every corner, just blow the whistle and either give a defensive free. Don't let the corner come in. Just give a penalty or a defensive free kick because there's worse pulls in that. Even for their goal. I've seen some people saying they thought Wenduzi was fouled by Van Dyke, but Socrates had much more of a hold of Van Dyke yeah. than, yeah. than they did for the penalty. So just as soon as the ball's kicked, it doesn't even have to make it into the area. Just give a fucking penalty. Because literally, we're, we're at a point of stupidity now. Like, I know in the rules that you, you're not allowed to pull someone's shirt. 
But if they're going to go by the letter of the rule, as I said, I, I always say this. I don't particularly care if decisions are wrong. It's going to happen. All I've ever wanted is consistency. If they're consistently wrong for, this, for both sides, then I have no real problem. The, the, I, I said this to everyone before I'd seen the Pepe incident with Van Dijk. Does that get given at the other end? And everyone who's ever watched a football game will know that, that there is not a chance that gets given. And that same incident, if that goes to VAR, if, if Taylor doesn't give that and it goes to VAR, there is absolutely no chance they overturn it. I don't know, Darren, you said you watched Match of the Day. If you've seen the Man United one on Martial, look, I wanted Man United to lose as much as the next Arsenal fan. I was, it was, I was in a pub with mixed Arsenal and Liverpool and we was all cheering for Palace. The one on Martial, how that's not given as a penalty, I'll never know. When you compare that to Salah's, it's, it's just farcical. It's stupid. Like, again, ref to the letter of law if you want, but make it a five-a-side game. Yeah, maybe I'm going to have to drink less on a Saturday night because uh, I just thought from watching it live was he was breaking through the line. If, if he hadn't pulled him, he was through. But uh, yeah, and, I, uh, that doesn't matter. I know what you're saying. And that was one of the replies to the video I posted of the Van Dyke one saying, oh yeah, but Salah was through on goal. It doesn't matter. It actually, the only way that makes a difference is if it's denying a clear goal, goal scoring opportunity or not. A foul in the box is a foul in the box, whether it's on the edge of the area or in the six-yard box. The only difference it makes is to the colour of the card or if there's any card at all. So I, I know what you're saying, but I don't agree at all. It doesn't matter. It's not, the, football's not a game played in circumstances where it's a foul if it happens here, but not a foul if it happens there or it depends where you're going with the ball. A shirt pull is a shirt pull. Uh, look, I don't think either of them were penalties. As I said, the, the Pepe one, never in a million years is a penalty. But there, there's no difference. I'll be honest, when I seen David Luiz do it, I went, you dumb fucking cunt. <laughs> um, but look, it was stupid. It, it, it was stupid. I, there, there's, no, yeah. there's no two ways about it. Yeah, but yeah. as I said, then they should have had a penalty for their first goal. Just look at every set piece. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. But Just I because also someone said. Well, like, I also said in the other one, I said, you're fucking kidding me. Where's our fucking penalty, you cunts? So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, consistency, but maybe, maybe, and just on TV, maybe it just stood out to David Luiz so much. Um, but that's just what he does at times, I suppose. As I said, that, that penalty doesn't get given at the other end, and it goes to VAR, and it doesn't get given. Mm-hmm. It's I, just, look, again, I want, I want consistency. I don't care if it's wrong. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at now. Okay, uh, 58th minute, Tony Seller gets a third goal and shut the door, game fucking over. Uh, again, a consequence of the penalty, Louise again has said himself that he can't, he, look, he dived in, poor defending to start with. First mistake, got too tight, don't get tight to salary, so quick, so strong. Then you should foul him, but he can't because he got booked for the penalty. So then he's got to let him go. And I think you know, no one's going to catch Salah there. And to, and to be fair to him, especially from the angle I was at, it's a great finish. Like, I know Salah gets a lot of goals because of the position he puts himself in. His finishing isn't particularly brilliant. But the, the finish for the goal, I think, is because of defensive mistakes, I think people have kind of slept on it and, and not given him any credit for it. It's a great finish. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely mistakes that come from it. And, again, I know we're chasing the game, but... It's not like we had our foots on their throat and we went high again. Why do we keep defending high? I have no fucking idea. I understand if we were chasing the game, which we were, but we had our foots on their throat and we're really on the front foot and they've just turned over the ball. But I think it came from a pass to Adran that we didn't really press. that got clipped into midfield and then Fabinho kind of just had a hack away. 
and we've ended up their player one on one with no recovery run. It was it's just fucking the system shit. Mm. But yeah, I mean, Louis definitely should have done better. Okay, I'll wrap this up really quickly and we'll go to some questions because we've got lots of questions to get through as well. Um, basically, uh, you know, you, you guys correct me if I'm totally wrong and you think my opinion's up to shit. We made the Tierra change too late. Uh, game was over by then. Uh, Milner came on. Chamberlain came on. Lacazette came on in the 81 minute. I have fucking no idea why I wait for the 81st minute for Lacazette to come on. Uh, two air against gets a consolation goal in the 85th minute. Um, too little, too late. Mkhitaryan comes on the 86th minute, uh, boys, and that about sums it up. And I put a lot of this game down to Tony with Emery fucked up the whole game. I think I just I I, I just can't see his tactics from day one. Uh, look, I, I can see what he was trying to do. It was never going to work. You can't give the two best delivering fullbacks in in Europe, possibly the world. I mean, when I say two best, I mean as a pair. You can't just give them all the time in the world. At some point, it is going to hurt you, and and it did. Of their goal, goals came. Mm, no, you're in and out, mate. But yeah, bad internet there by the sounds of it, buddy. Oh, okay. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, got you now, mate. Yeah, so it was just, for me, uh, what he was trying to do was never going to work. It was damage limitation. As I said, he went there to not get battered, and so he's probably gone home thinking he achieved his aim. You, people can say, oh, we hope to try and get a 1-0 on the counter-attack. When you give an attacking team that much of the ball, you are never, ever, ever going to keep them to nil. The, the, what was evident from the first four minutes was that it would, the scoreboard was not going to read Liverpool nil. But that's, that was Emery's game plan. Mm. And then once they played, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, Darren, sum it up in your words, mate. Yeah, I, I, I can see what he was trying to do, and I thought, um, if, if you know, it's very easy to say that you know you give a, an opposition, especially like Liverpool, that much, it's never, 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 never going to work. To quote Tony, but if Pepe takes that one-on-one chance, um, Aubameyang puts the ball into an empty net, we're two goals up. Mm. Okay. You know, they were the two best chances. They were the two best chances in the first 40 minutes, built to us. Uh, and, um, you know, you would expect a, a striker of Pepe's quality and of Aubameyang's quality to take those chances. They weren't half chances. Um, they were good chances. And if you score those two goals, we're two goals up. You know, it, 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 and then suddenly, you're, you know, that's what you're, these are these are big money players. You expect them to take those chances. We knew we weren't going to get many, but we had the two best chances of the first 40 minutes, first half, really. Okay. Um, to sum up my version of events, in my opinion, uh, basically, I think the whole fucking thing was a complete and utter shit fight. Emery's tactics were a joke. I've never, ever seen Arsenal sit back on a shitty defence that we've already had and we've already known for the last two seasons. David Luiz comes in and let's sit back and defend. Play long to Pepe. Yeah, we may have had a couple of chances, but hey, this is, I, I like to think, it's, you know, this is the Arsenal Football Club. This isn't Burnley Football Club or, or Tottenham Hotspurs where we where we put the pressure on for 41 minutes. Um, do you remember, sorry to interrupt you, Tess, do, yeah. do you remember the Chelsea game last year at the Emirates? I think it was one of our best performances of the season. Um, uh, and we played like that against Chelsea. We played with a sort of diamond. We sat back and soaked up Chelsea's ineffectual pressure and hit them on the break. 
and it was one of our best performances of the season. Now, look, I'm not saying that that's how I want to see Arsenal play every week. I don't. I'm an Arsenal fan, and I've got a lot of pedigree with Arsenal. I've seen some fantastic footballing sides, um, but that was one of our best performances last season, and it was a very similar way. We decided to contain Chelsea and hit him on the counter-attack with our pace. I think with the way he's trying to set up, that's what he was trying to do. It didn't work yesterday. I'm not defending him. I thought there was mistakes he made yesterday, but uh, I, I, I can see what he's trying to do there. I don't mind if he does it, and I don't care if that's the type of football we play. You know, if it's a call of the uh, park the bus, Jose Mourinho-style football, I, I don't care if that gets us the points. But when... Mate, my worry is, is we haven't got the defence for it. And, and, and that is my biggest... You know, and then you, you're expecting Granite to sit back, you're expecting Guendouzi to sit back... You know, that's taking you at the midfield. You, you, you've got three of the best attacking footballers, I think, in the Premier League. Oh, look, let's, okay, arguably Salah, Mane, uh, uh, Firmino are up there. They're probably the best. But, you know, when you look at Lacazette, Abemiang, and then we've got Pepe, um, I would like to think they're, they're, they're up there in the top three or four attacking players in the Premier League. So utilise them, use them. Out, I don't care if a fucking score ends up to six five. At least we're having a crack and trying to outscore them, and and we're using, you know, we we're using our um, strong players and strong, you know, we're not we're not using our weakness against ourselves. And that was my biggest worry yesterday. Was I I I come out of that game thinking, well, we sat back. We've done nothing in the defence. We've done not a fucking thing. We've got these, you know, high money attacking players, 150, 200 million combined, and we didn't utilise them. We we didn't utilise them at all. Okay, um, I think one of the boys dropped in or out there. Something's going on with the mic. But uh, so Darren, you're probably new to this. You obviously you do listen to us. Um, we do a three, two, one every week. I know it's going to be hard. Uh, the reason we do a three-two-one is because at the end of the season we look at who, you know, should be the best player for us for this season, not just a, a favourites vote, I suppose. I'll start with you, Tony. Uh, give us your three-two-one quickly, mate, because we'll move on to some questions. Uh, Jesus, three. Uh, Pepe, three, just because he was the only one that didn't like making anything happen going forward. He was essentially playing on his own. We had Van Dyke very worried. They were almost covering. Van Dyke was playing so far over because we had no one down the middle that it was essentially like they had Robertson and Van Dyke covering him a lot of time, and Pepe still had a bit of joy. So I'm not saying it's fantastic, but he was probably the only one that made it look like anything that happened. Um, this one will get a lot of stick before I say it, and it's purely because Mane done absolutely nothing, and for me he's their best player. So I'm going to go Maitland Niles. He, he kept him out of the game. I don't think he's done anything excellent, but if you've kept, for me, their best player out of the game, you've done something well. Uh, and then lastly, probably will go Guendouzi. Uh, again, his role in the game was completely pointless, but I can't blame him for that. And what he actually done, he done well. Okay. Um, so, yeah, not he didn't have an impact on the game, so that wasn't his fault. Okay. Darren, your throw 2 one well, I'm going to go three to Pepe as well. I thought everything good that came that we did yesterday came through him. He was exciting to watch. Uh, it was a very, very hard game to pick a three-two-one, wasn't it? It was. Uh, there wasn't anyone who really stood out. Uh, two, I was uh, 
Amadanar in between uh, Genduzi, who I love, and uh, Willock, who for a kid at that age, I thought, you know, it was a tough, tough game, but his head was up. He he, he ran with strength. Uh, and seeing that Tony's gone with Genduzi, I'm going to give two to Willock. I just think he's uh, another player that's just blown me away this year about how he's gone up a level. Didn't think he was going to make it when I saw him a year ago. Uh, and it's there's going to be easier games, and I can see him running games in the future. Uh, uh, the one, big one, one point. Uh, so I'll go two to and I'll I'll throw one in for Terreira. Only had half an hour, but I thought he made a difference, and uh, he's worth something from that. He really, you know, we're, we've got Spurs next week, and there's some players now. One thing I like about this side, there, there's some competition at last. We've got some competition for places. You know, players like Xhaka and um, Ozil have really got to now fight for their places. It's not a, a, an easy team to walk into. And I think Torreira came on and showed just that fight that we, we sort of were missing a little in the middle of the park. Okay, so I'll give one to Torreira. No worries. I'm What's yours, Tez? Yeah, three to Pepe. Look, I'm don't need it. Uh, he glimpses of brilliance once again, you know, uh, this, this young bloke. I'm... Um, He's, he's becoming my new favourite player at Arsenal. I love ex- I love everything he's doing at the moment. I can't wait till he gets a you know gets a couple of goals under his belt. And it's tough tough game uh, you know playing your full full ninety minutes against a team like Liverpool. So he has been eased in well, and you know we would have been cursing had Emery not have started Pepe. So tough tough to come in against Liverpool, but I think he he, he did. You know, we've seen glimpses of brilliance there. So, um, two points to Ozil, just because he was sitting. <laughs> 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 uh, no, nah, look, uh, I'll go two points to um, Willock. I thought he was good, uh, Willock, and he he's really surprised me, Willock. It's a couple of games that we've seen him now, and I think he's the real deal. I'd, I, I think he'll be he'll be very good player at Arsenal, so I'm looking forward to his season. Um, geez, one point. It's got to be bloody hard. Oh, <laughs> Tony's gone, Gwen Dersey. You've gone to error. Uh, we'll have to hurry. Yeah, I, I'll go Granite. I'll go. <laughs> I'll go Granite. <laughs> yeah, that's right, a fair point. Yeah. And, and the only reason, look, and I know people do do think, oh fuck, here we go. Tez is on his granite granite thing. The bloke was told to sit back. He was playing long balls to a Bamiyang and Pepe, and I think the long balls that that he did play, he executed quite well. Um, so yeah, so he gets my one point there. Okay, boys, we'll be back after this short break. In a world where digital content barrels towards us at relentless breakneck speeds, where posts and memes and tweets and snaps rain down a punishing assault of attention-grabbing data. Three heroic podcasters with a strong background in broadcast media are taking on the internet. Each week, we break down the trends, technology, and connections that are transforming our lives. We are Things I Found Online. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and we're back after that brilliant message from our, from our um, I don't know who they're from actually, no idea, it's somebody rapping on about a podcast uh, through our Big Heads Media Network, so probably a good listen because they do sign up brilliant podcasts like yourself, so... Um, <laughs> nice, nice backtracking. <laughs> so anyway, here we are. Uh, you can get your questions into us uh, each week. Now, 
I did see a couple of the boys talking about Wenger, and I will touch on because Schwinn did remind me I'm not going to talk about Wenger. So if you're asking questions about Wenger well, and, and... So I sent a, a message yesterday and you're just stealing all my credit for it. No, no, well, Schwinn, Schwinn said, oh, remote, remember to say about that. And I know, oh, yeah, right, eh? <laughs> Must have been when you were so asleep. So he, he said, remember to say what Tony said, and you've omitted me completely from it. <laughs> oh, Fucking well. brilliant this is. I'm going up. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're not doing Wenger questions. I just, I'm not going to compare Wenger to Emery. It's just, I, I don't want to go down that path, to be honest. Um, so you can get your questions at clock and underscore talk and they usually go up a couple of hours after the match depending on who's, who's on and who's got the shits and I had the shits after the game and I just wasn't having interest in social media so I was out um, <laughs> okay uh, Vish says happy with the performance at least we weren't blown away in the first half as we usually are at Anfield we got beaten by a superior team who are two, two seasons ahead in evolution of always slated Shaka for being our weak link. And we touched on that throughout our um, little match thing that we did I earlier. I literally so. disagree with every single word <laughs> of that question. <laughs> I do too. And I quite agree with it. Well done, Vish. <laughs> <laughs> I just, again, this goes on to the point I was saying earlier. Why why put that Shaka bit in there? What? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Apart from the Shaka bit. Okay, apart from the Shaka bit. I, I have to agree Liverpool are... Um, oh, yeah, no, sorry, yeah. I agree there. Yeah, no, there, I there still agree with that. that. I yeah. agree with it. Yeah. So I, I don't agree with the granite thing, but that's just normal. Um, is Liverpool's midfield really a superior to Arsenal's? Uh, I'll go to you, Darren. In my opinion, Henderson, Fabinho, Mil- Milliner uh, are not better. They just play with much more desire, hunger to win the ball. The passion, intensity and ferocity of their play make them a better unit combined. Yeah, I mean, on yesterday's evidence, they were, but um, I'm excited about the future. I think Gendouzi's got a, another year under his belt. I think he'll be very good this year. We mentioned earlier that Willock uh, has really come on, like really come on. Uh, Ceballos on his game against Burnley looked uh, a really exciting player to have in the side. And then you've got Torreira, Xhaka, Ozil. You know, there's, there's some, I mentioned before, some real competition there. Uh, I think Liverpool, are, you know, as a previous question from Vish said, they're a couple of years ahead of us. They really are. Uh, and last year, I mentioned the Wenger word, but uh, our manager was playing with a team that wasn't really his own. He was trying to improve a side that had finished uh, distance sixth and and we didn't really see what he was doing. Now this is his, his team. He's got no... Um, no excuses this year. This is his team. He's had a good transfer window. But I just think it was a bit early. I think in, 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 a, in a few months' time, we're going to see some really great football at Arsenal. I think it's a really good midfield we've got. Mm, OK. Uh, Madwire1 says, Tony Unai is starting to look like a tactical fraud. Uh, Glock played him, knew he could deal with the Bambiang, so he hyped him up. But believe he truly feared lacquer. Emery bought it. Bought it and attempted to beat Poole with a transition game against one of the most athletic teams in the world. Uh, world, what a mug! Um, hang on, he's gone one of two here. Abemyang is poor, isolated, one on one with any solid defender, has no hold up game, weak in the air, poor link up play. And oh, geez, he's really fucking hammering Abemyang, isn't he? <laughs> hey, like, you know, well, the, the goal, bloke's only scored how many goals? Winner, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 50 goals yeah. in fucking how many games? You know, oh, he's no good all of a sudden. Um, 
Anyway, sorry, Tony, to steal your thunder there, mate. Uh, Paul Linkup play. He was he was a player that needs someone to do the dirty work for him. Lacker helps us control games, and I see where this is going. Uh, he wins free kicks. He pulls defensive back line outs out of positions and creates. Go for it, Tony. I had an argument with someone else on Twitter on Friday that they like a player, and obviously we all know Madwire loves Lacazette, which is fine, but they feel the need to tear other players apart in order to make their guy sound better. As you just said, Lacazette, I mean, sorry, Aubameyang won the Golden Boot last season or split the Golden Boot in a team that came fifth versus a team that what, got 97 points, was it? I Look, Lacazette is a better hold-up player. There, he has strengths that Aubameyang doesn't, and vice versa. We don't need to tear one down to build another. Klopp wasn't scared of Aubameyang. Everyone is worried about Aubameyang. The moment he steps on the pitch, people are worried about him. His movement is that good. Can he hold the ball up as well? No. Can he run in behind better? Yes, because he's much, much quicker. Is he more likely to score? Yes. They both have strengths. They both have weaknesses. I don't understand. Like, why do you have to tear someone else apart? Especially someone... I, I would understand if it was someone who'd scored one goal in their career. But you're you're tearing down our main goal threat just to try and rep your guy, as Twitter would love to call it. Like, it's just oh, fucking ridiculous. Know. And it sums up Arsenal fans. It's just it's just boring. Like, again, as the, I could have told you this tweet was going to come the moment I saw the lineup because Lacazette wasn't in it. And if it did, it wasn't mad why it was going to come from someone else. And, and let's not forget, anyone who watched Lacazette last week, he looked like he was towing a caravan. I know he scored, but he is not fit. I don't know if he, how much fitness he's gained in this week. Maybe he wasn't ready to start. We don't know. But you can't just go, oh, Lacazette, I love him. You should start every game because he does this, this and this. There was another tweet actually outside the question thread from Madwire um, saying, this is why I said Aubameyang can't play with Pepe. Uh, he needs Lacazette to hold off. Well, hang on. Last week, Pepe slid Aubameyang running in behind in and the keeper made a very good save. This week, he'd done it and it was offside, but it wasn't given. It would have been if it went in and Aubameyang took too long to shoot. So he's made two clear, clear chances for him in two games. But because it's not Lacazette bouncing off him, you've decided that they can't play together. Like, quit agendas. OK, you like Lacazette. Fine. He's a very good player. But... Don't go hammering everyone else just because it's not Lacazette. Or actually, fuck that. You don't support Lacazette. Change the Arsenal badge on your shirt to the Lacazette badge because it's just silly. <laughs> I agree. I have to agree with you on that, mate. It is silly. It is very silly. Like I like granite, but I'm not going to shit all over Guendouzi because I like granite. Um, I, lo- I like Guendouzi too, so anyway. Pepe is my nuke boy, though. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, no, no! You can't say that without tearing someone else apart. Oh. You got to say why I'm doing this shit. I'll have to think of something. Uh, thoughts about the lineup would have been better to start Lacazette instead of Granite, says Sandeep. So, Sandeep, you saying Lacazette's going to jump in the midfield apart from Granite? No, he's saying go for three. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, no, no, I mean, in all seriousness, we don't know how fit if Lacazette had 19 minutes in him. So I think in, in our strongest team, Lacazette would start. And I think most of us would probably admit that. Yeah, again, yeah. I don't know why Granite's the one that's being pulled out. Sabayos had a disaster class. But again, you could have said that before the game. We all knew that was coming, um, that, that Granite would be the one criticised. But we don't know how long Lacazette had in him. I was surprised he even bring him on, to be honest. But I think it's the same as last week. They kept him on way longer than they should have done just to try and get him some sharpness. 
and I'd imagine that's what the playing him for 10 minutes yesterday was about, just to try and get him more time on the pitch and try and get him back up to speed. I often wonder with Lacazette, you know, like, I wonder what happens during the off-season and stuff. Is he... I, I, you, you know, like, when you say fitness, I, I, I tend to picture this bloke sitting around the off-season eating Big Macs. Uh, everybody else seems ready to go, but Lacazette... No, I think... I think with him, he's a bit he's a bit unlucky in that his natural build, and then there's loads of people like this. Wayne Rooney is a great example. Their natural build is a bit heavier set, so they they have to work hard to be in shape. Whereas someone like Aubameyang will, or let's not use Aubameyang because it sounds like I'm comparing the two. Someone like Pepe, who is slender, they they're sort of naturally always in shape. Where Lacazette probably has to work to do that, and then where he's had that injury that's, that's basically kept him out of training for two weeks the sharpness is never going to be there. Uh, he has to build it back up, whereas a more slender player, a more naturally their body type, it's nothing to do with life choices. Their body type is 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 a fitter type. And it, that they're usually weaker. Lacazette will be stronger because of his body type. But they can have two weeks off and they can get straight back into the swing of things. Lacazette can't really do that. And look, it's genetics. There's nothing he can really do. It said Rooney was the same. If he was out for two weeks, it took him another two weeks to recover. Mm. Whereas how many times we've we seen players have been out for two weeks and they come on their man in a match the next game, it's yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. unlucky. I'm putting no blame on him, but you have just to ease him back things. in just, just the way he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Sandeep, just back on your question, mate. I was I was a bit surprised to not see Lacazette in the team too. So um, I wouldn't have pulled Granite for Lacazette. I probably, but but uh, I because I said to the boys, I think Granite will captain the team. He'll be in the team, and and that'll be the end of it. So. Um, but I was surprised I didn't see probably uh, Bemiang, Lacazette, Pepe up front. So, uh, but I don't think anybody seen what that lineup was going to be or that formation. And even as Tony said, Glop was even surprised. So, um, okay, moving on. Brad's uh, in the starting team. Darren. So in the starting team, though, Urzel, Lacquer, Bellerin, Tierney, Lucas, and Holding. Yeah. With all of the those players out, we should have scored at least three goals. Isn't that a massive improvement to compared to the horrific five-one defeat last year? Yeah, I mean, I was there last year. It was uh, it was one of the worst days I think I've ever had uh, as a football fan. It was just embarrassing. We we just we were just so embarrassing last year. But I think I've, I've just said it in my last answer to the last question. We've got such a good deep squad this year. And our challenge this year isn't against Liverpool and Manchester City, unfortunately. Much as I had a bet on us at uh, 66 to one, can you believe Arsenal 66 to one? That's how far we've fallen. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't resist it. But uh, so you know, the 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 hopeful, the passionate Arsenal fan in me wants us to compete for the title, and that's where we need to be. But this year we're not competing against them. We're competing against United, Chelsea. You know, Manchester United, um, we're, we're aiming for third or fourth Spurs. And I think our squad now, there's real competition for places. I mean, Maitland-Niles, what's going to happen when Bellerin is fit? You know, we've got some real competition there because he's got better and better in that position. Monreal is as consistent as ever. We've got four centre-halves to choose from and six midfielders to choose from and three of the best strikers in the Premier League. Uh, I think it's, a, it's an exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. Maybe not this year. This year's going to be tough. It's going to be hard work. But I think... We're going to play some great football. We're going to score some goals. 
Uh, and and yesterday, we, we've got to isolate yesterday. We were away at the Champions of Europe. You know, they won the Champions League two yeah, months ago. Yeah. They're a very, 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 very good, good side. Team. And we hit them on a good day. Well, they were good yesterday. I mean, maybe we let them be a bit good, but they were good yesterday. So, Sabias had a shit game yesterday. Greenwich just has a shit game every week. Guess who's sitting on the fucking bench, boys? And he's fucking rubbing his hands watching these Twitter fans going, I'm ready, I'm ready, let me unleash. Come on, El Nanny. <laughs> he's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mention him in my midfielders. <laughs> um, no, I noticed you left him out. <laughs> Okay, Halls of Marble says, uh, which has surprised me, but he says, Granite didn't do badly, but could Pepe and Abemyang's pace get the best from him and his strengths? Uh, look, I'll just, I won't go to you, Tony, quickly. I'll, I'll just say quickly, look, uh, Granite, he was told to sit back, play long. And it wasn't much of a game plan for Granite yesterday, so uh, I, I would like to see... Tottenham's going to be hard next week. I, we were talking earlier, Tony. Don't even know who our starting lineup's going to be. Um, I don't know who's after that. We've got international break and then somebody. So I wouldn't mind seeing him. Uh, you know how, how things go when we've got Pepe, Aubameyang, you know Granite in the midfields against a, a lower top team. So, but it's two hard games. Two hard games. Liverpool and Tottenham. Uh, MWA Gunner says, "Do we need a left winger, Tony?" Uh. I don't know, look, we were woefully short on the left yesterday, but I don't know where everyone fits in. If you get a left winger, then what do people want? Pepe right, a left winger, Aubameyang and Lacazette up top, or a 4-2-3-1 with Lacazette at 10? I mean, in that you are literally just saying we can't be fucked to defend. One thing I will actually give Emery credit for, which which is quite rare actually, uh, this season our fullbacks have stayed, even against Burnley and Newcastle, our fullbacks have stayed at home a lot more. And I think we have looked a little bit uh, more solid defensively and that's because as part of that we were actually playing with a back four now rather than a back two which we pretty much played with at all times last season or a back three when we switched I mean usually you in a game Maitland-Niles and, and Monreal or Kolasinac and Bellerin whoever the, the full backs are you would you could say at least 10 times in a game they'd be overlapping and on the byline I doubt they've probably done that 10 times this season And they, I mean I know it's only been three games but still it's a for me, that's a slight system change. And, and look, we've not seen as much attacking intent from our fullbacks. But it's something that I, I welcome at the moment because I do think we have looked a little bit better defensively. Okay, FPL Canada says, Darren, and I'm in his fantasy league, this bloke, and I'm probably not doing real fucking well, but anyway. Um, we're not going to shut out a lot of teams, but we could outscore a lot. Why not go hell and lever and all out attack? I think we will. I think I think there's games this season where we will. Uh, I just think if we'd have gone to Liverpool yesterday and played Lacazette up top and uh, taken somebody out of the midfield and tried to play Liverpool at their own game, I think it was just a bit too early for us. I think if that game had happened in two months' time, it might might have been the way we played. But yesterday was just too early for us. I mean, I think it's going to be great to watch this year. I think I can really see goals in his side. And sort of going back to the last question, a bit a left-sided winger... Let's uh, let's borrow some money and uh, buy Zaha as well. I think that'd be just that would be scared shitless. Pepe one side, <laughs> Zaha scared, the other. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we are missing a little bit of balance on that left. But um, you know, and, and I love Zaha as a player, Premier League proven, only eighty million. 
Let's go and buy them in January. Let's get Mick, <laughs> let's get Mick Atari on off, off our books, and I'm happy. With yeah, that. we can afford him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the Red Custodian Tony says, "Do you think we play too many passes and take too many chances in our own defence?" Defensive third. I understand us trying to stretch the pitch, but we conceded chances yesterday by overplaying at the back. It also slows ball progression down. What do you think? I think that playing out from the back is another one that's on that list with Xhaka and Mustafi that's going to get blamed regardless. That we gave away off the top of my head one chance to Mane with a very poor ball by Ceballos, but it ended up with a very comfortable save. And apart from that, I don't think it caused any issues. And the alternative would have been playing long to to Bamiyang against Van Dijk and, and Van Dijk wins it every single time and they come back at us again. It gave us some rest because while sometimes they pressed, other times we beat the press, not to get in behind, but it made them stand off and it meant we kept the ball for a bit and gave everyone a little bit of a rest. We did have passages where we were keeping the ball, even if it was only in our own half for 15, 20 passes. And, People might go, oh, yeah, but you're not going anywhere. Look, you can't score every time you've got a ball. Sometimes it's about taking a rest. You've been chasing people all over the, the park for, for 20 minutes and defending cross after cross after cross. You can't just keep giving them the ball back. I, look, Arsenal's balance is wrong. There is time. They do overplay from the back. There's, there is times when you need to go long and, and need to get it out. I also think, and I said this last year, that our system's wrong, that we still always go down the middle when we play long. We have to get our fullbacks high up against their fullbacks. So I would fancy Monreal in the air against Trent Alexander-Arnold pretty much every time, or especially when it's Kolasinac there. Just just pin the pin the ball on their head on the halfway line. And the, the worst case, it goes over their head. The other team get a throw on, not too bad. They flick it on down the line. You've got Aubameyang chasing. Like there's there's so many options. Or even if the, the other team's defender wins it, it's like a, a 50-50 ball. They don't win a clear header. That That I think we need to improve, but... I don't think playing out from the back is anywhere near as bad as people go on about. And again, I think it's one of the things that before the game, if you write down the negatives that people are going to say, I think that's one that's already in the list before the game starts. I couldn't agree more, Tony. I think, don't you think we've improved hugely playing out from the back? The technical ability in the side is just so much better now. You know, Luis is uh, he's better than, when it was Mustafi and Koscielny and, and Xhaka, you know, those were the three pass combinations we saw more than anything. And it wasn't good. But now we've got so many options. Willock's good on the ball. Genduzzi's good on the ball. Ceballos in his first game was good on the ball. Um, you know, they can all play football now. Luis is, you know, is, is much, much better. Socrates, they're, they're all comfortable footballers. And we haven't had that. So so when we were playing out for the back last year, it was nervy, it was frightening. Uh, this year, you know, it's still not perfect, but they are, they're all technically good players. And that's the way the Premier League is these days. You have to suck players in uh, and, and, and play through them to give to space to your, to your fast attackers. It's uh, it's something that we know. I mean, we, we talked that Emery was going to have a pressing side. He dumped that after about a month last year because he didn't have the players for it. But he is introduced a, a side that plays out from the back, and you know we're playing against one of the one of the best teams in Europe yesterday, and we played it quite well. I thought I think we're okay. Yeah, agreed. Um, MWA Gunner says, and I'll go to you, Darren, because you've been banging on about how much you love Guendouzi. <laughs> he says, what type of midfielder is Guendouzi? Well, I think I mean I don't go back. I see him as a, a, a as a Graham Ricks, if you remember that. He's he's, he's just got that energy about him that will break up play, it will link play. I don't think he's ever going to um, 
uh, be the greatest. You know, he's not going to hit 30, 40 yard passes in a people's path, although he's got that in his game and he's, he's learning to do it. I just see that he's got a passion in our side that he's missing from Premier League football these days. The, the vast difference between the supporters and the players these days, you know, financially. He seems to care about playing football, whether, you know, I'm. Uh, I want to look with rose-tinted glasses and says he, lo- he loves to play for the Arsenal, but he loves playing football. And we've missed that, you know, and I just think that as he develops and as he develops his game and he's, he's you know, he's learning at one of the best clubs in the world, he has just got better and better. And I just see that in, in two, three years' time, those that are criticising Gendouzi now will look back and, and laugh at themselves. He's a, he's a really young man who's come from second division French football to play in the top flight in a top side. And he was brought in well last year, I thought. And, and the manager obviously likes him. I think he's he's going to turn into a really good box-to-box midfielder. He's got real energy about him. I love him. I say, if you could have 10 Gendouz, he's not in his position. But that passion for, for playing football, I want to pay money to watch people like him play. He cares. He, he tackles, does. He does. He's got know. passion. He does care. And, he, and I like, you know, he gets up, gets up, plays. There was a, there was a time... Uh, who's the Liverpool captain? I Mind blowing. Henderson. Yeah. Did you see? Henderson. Yeah, uh, I think it was. Was it the goal that Torreira scored? And and Henderson absolutely got chock a block up Manet there at one stage for not for not tracking back. And they were three nil up at that stage. And I, you know, you're talking about you know you're talking about passion and stuff, Darren. And I, I like to see that um, you know in in any team like they're three nil up and he's still getting you know he's still. Given it, given it to Manet for not tracking back. I was at I was at Manchester City West Ham game first game of the season. I got a ticket for that, and I went with some West Ham mates to to go and laugh at West Ham. Uh, and I watched a, a West Ham team that's full of sort of players that haven't quite made it. You know, players that aren't quite good enough. And there was nothing. And they got battered 5-0 by by City. You know, that's going to happen to a lot of teams. But there was just nothing in that side. There was no effort, no enthusiasm. You've got a Brawkers crowd, first game of the season. And the players played like it was a really hot summer's day. And it wasn't. Uh, and and I, I thought that was the difference in our side last week against Burnley. Every one of those players, Willock, Genduzzi, and we've got it in Torreira, Ceballos last week. They just want the football. They want the football. And, and that's the difference between the good midfielders. When you look back at the Vieiras and Petits and, uh, and, and Burkamps, and, and, and you can name many players from our past, the good ones, Fabregas, another one, Cazorla, they want the football. They want to be involved. And, and that's what King Doozy gives us. He's another one that wants to play football all the time. And I, and, and I just think, you know, I've banged on it about it a bit, but I think over the course of this season with competition, we've got a great midfield there. We really have got a great midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to go to, I'll just touch on this quickly. Halls and Marble says, um, is it really a case of bad tactical plan or Liverpool being a technical and physically bigger, stronger side? Oh, look, I'll go a combination of both. Um, Darren, you are leaning more more towards you know this is Liverpool Champions League winner. Dot dot dot. Tony, you're you didn't did you really say it was Emery's well, fault? Look, 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 Liverpool are a better side. I'm not questioning that. I still think the tactics were completely wrong. It's, it's possible to have both. Like I, I think Emery got it all wrong. Could Liverpool still beat us if he got everything spot on? Of course they could. They're a very good side. Mm. But I, I think the way he went to that game was he was just hoping to not get battered. 
I feel like if you'd have said to him before the game, we're going to lose 1-0, go home now, like, you don't have to play, don't waste any energy, he'd have said thank you very much and flew back to the London. Mm-hmm. He did say something in the press conference that he, he didn't like playing, which I thought was bizarre. It was something... No, I can't, I can't yeah. remember the exact words, but yeah, it was almost like... Yeah. I'd rather him talk, you know, talking the players up, going, oh, come on, boys. Um... Anyway, Josh says, I'd go, I'd go back and forth on Emery's tactics. I would have gone back three... I would have gone back three to match front three and full-backs. Looking at the goals, though, all individual areas, and Pepe should have scored. Abemiang had a good chance. Overall, I think we played it better than last time and not just because of, not just because of the score. Uh, Vish says, did Emery go for a more problematic approach after being raped at Liverpool last year? We've seen that Liverpool defensively vulnerable in the past two years. Would the result have been better or could it have ended worse if we went much more attacking lineup? Well, we don't really know, do we? Well, we did touch on that. Um, Darren, you were definitely 100% that that was probably the right call. More attacking lineup think, for you would have been. I, I just think, I, I mean, yeah, we have been battered there the last few years, and I say it's a bit early for us. And I think he did go to contain and use the pace. I think the idea was if we had those fast players playing wide, then that would stop their fullbacks going forward. Uh, it didn't, you know, they, they 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 managed to cover us, but we did have the two best chances in the first half. I, I, I understand. I know Tony doesn't agree with the tactics, but I understand. Uh, it was a question earlier saying, is Emery a, a, a tactical fraud? And we're saying that Klopp laughed that he didn't know that Arsenal were going to play like that. Isn't You put those two things together and score those two goals, then suddenly he's a tactical genius. You know, if those two goals had gone in, one-on-one, you know, and the, the, the ball into an empty net, suddenly we're 2-0 up and we're going, wow, this is tactically, we've held Liverpool. They've already had a... Sh- our goalkeeper hasn't had a save to make apart from that Ceballos uh, miss pass across the across the box. That was the only save he made in those first in the first half. You know, it's not like Burnley scored uh, had lots more chances last week. He had a much busier game last week, so I understand the tactics. They didn't work, but I think it's just uh, a month or two too early. I'd like to have seen us play them in in two months' time when we got two, you know, new fullbacks. And uh, uh, but I thought we were defensively quite solid. Mm, okay. Um, look, no, I, I I do understand where you're coming from because if we if if them two goals had gone in, it'd probably make things feel a bit better. And and we if my auntie had a cock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I know, I know, and it is a bit. It's just one of them things, isn't it? Well, if Robertson's cross in the first minute was an inch shorter for bit, uh, Firmino scores, they're one nil up after thirty five seconds. Yeah, if, if if I mean, but we're talking ifs, but we're talking about a tactical argument here. We're talking about you know, was it yeah, the right uh, way to do it? Robertson strode forward in the first minute because no one we didn't bother with their fullbacks. His cross was literally overhit by less than six inches. So if we're going to go, if Aubameyang scored, if Pepe scored, that game plan but they were, but they were the best out of inside thirty seconds. They were the it, best two chances. If our way, and then ignore if their way. There was a cross to Salah at the back post again, six inches out from Robertson they, again. They, they, yeah, be honest, I, I, I must agree. If, if they benefit Arsenal, or yeah, are we yeah. 
in them both ways. The last thing I want to do is to mention Schwinn's XG because uh, <laughs> I hate the whole concept of it. But, you know, Pepe one-on-one against a goalkeeper, you would, uh, I'm sure the XG for him to score that based on all things are very, very high. You know, Aubameyang, uh, no goalkeeper in the net, 25 yards out, has to hit a difficult ball granted. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll give you the numbers because I saw them on match of the day. Our XG for the whole game was less than one. Yeah, that's why XG's a nonsense. <laughs> you can't bring it. No, I agree with you. I agree with you, but you can't bring it up and then moan about uh, it. Uh, yeah, it, it must have been. I'll say XG, XG, and then I bring it up and you go. Yeah, yeah. Fuck no, you're shit. Right. Throw it uh, out the window. I will, I will not mention. I didn't realise that. I would not mention because I don't look at that stat because it's. Not, well, I came up on match of the day. Trust me, I didn't like match of the day. Yeah. Show it. I, I haven't yeah. looked at it, but it was something like, like two point eight seven versus 0.8 Okay, so mm-hmm. it's a fair result. And in in all fairness to the shit stat, it's pretty much bang on. Yeah, it's a fair result. Yeah, we we, we lost by two goals. You know. Um, yo, I'm, I'm just here listening. <laughs> uh, I'm just getting some popcorn, boys. Um, okay. Uh, Maputo. Apologize. Maputel. Okay. Uh, he says, keep up the good work, lads. Uh, can we expect more scoops on Patreon? He's obviously a Patreon listener, and he would have heard our last Patreon episode. So thank you for that, mate, and um, yeah, just keep that under your cards, buddy. It's only for Patreon <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, what have we learnt from this corresponding game, says Glenn last season? Uh, it seemed like we fought for longer. I can't understand why Lacazette came on so late, Tony. Yeah, look, with Lacazette, we don't know about the injury slash fitness, so I'm not going to speculate. If he was 100% fit and Emery's just chose not to play him, then I think he's got it wrong, but we'll never know. Um, in terms of, look, you can argue that last season we were shit. We played off the park, but we did go 1-0 up, so being in the game for longer is kind of somewhat subjective, um, although they were 3-1 up about two minutes after we were 1-0 up. I've been to Anfield six years in a row, and obviously they've got better in that time, so it's not a fair, it's not a like for like comparison. But yesterday was the fourth worst performance I've seen. Uh, so of the six, it was fourth. Um, but Liverpool got a lot better, so it's unfair to judge. I I don't take any credit. I'm glad you added that at the end. Liverpool have yeah. got a lot better. Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't take any credit from it being. 3-1 this year and 5-1 last year. Especially, I think, last year we signed and tried to have a go and just completely weren't good enough. And, and I've said it a million times, I think we set up to lose yesterday, but not get battered. So I think the, the, the extra two goals is just from us leaving less space because we didn't try and pull it on them. I think last year we went 1-0 up and we had a chance just before we went 1-0 up. And then we always shit ourselves when we go behind at Anfield. And that, that is the big problem. It doesn't seem to matter who the manager is, who's playing, who's captain, what 11 are on the pitch, who, who's on the bench. We seem to shit ourselves at Anfield. And the same happened yesterday as happened last year. I think we were a bit more open last year because we tried to win the game. Uh, for me, there is not much credit. To, look, we were better yesterday, but it's not. I'm not going, oh, look at us, we've improved by two goals. Mm-hmm. The, the net result is we've got exactly the same amount of points. Uh, just before I continue, some questions only because they just shared it with me now. Clockandtalk.blogspot.com. Um, 
the, well, the boys had done the ratings. It wasn't Craig this week. I think it might have been, I don't know who it was, actually. Did Black as that get man and man? G. Roninga Guna. Um, no, he's actually said, Pepe, he's got man of the match. Uh, he give him a seven. Oh, um, yeah. It's the bloke. Uh, Liam. Uh, Liam, sorry. Yeah, yeah Liam. Liam. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm really good at running this shit, aren't I? <laughs> yep. <laughs> just some blokes writing some ratings up and I just read them out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Pepe, he got a seven. He gave Granite a six, Gwendozi a 6.5, Willock a 6.5, um, Leno a six. But you can read that and you can read his thoughts there as well. Clockandtalk.blogspot.com. Um, Hack on Larson, he says, I think the biggest difference between us and Liverpool is the maturity, experience and hunger in the system that works very well. I'm not one of those who think of the players are superior to ours. I rate them, but they are a few years in the, a few years in a few years in a process. Um, on Pepe, that guy is a fucking player. I'm gonna get his, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get him his name on my shirt, I think. I do like him. Uh, sorry, Granite, but anyway. Uh, should have done so much better on that particular one chance, though. I'll settle down, Akon. Uh, but the way he toyed with Van Dyke and Robertson was fucking great. I'm confident he will bag goals. Uh, can you, uh, you can see he comes too many chances like a Bamiyang. Uh, Schwinn, oh, look at Schwinn just, slipping. Sorry, just to, just to cut in next, I've seen it a lot. Yep. I, I think people are being, I don't know, I think people are being a bit unfair. In, like, I've seen so many people say, oh, brilliant, but he has no end product. He missed I've seen one that. chance. I've seen that today. Yeah, yeah, like, look, he may have no end product. We we don't know. He scored, what, 20 odd goals last season. So, yeah, pretty... something to go. But I think people are, are judging him on one chance, essentially. He missed that one chance, and yes, he should have scored. There's absolutely no doubt. But I've seen it to say he has no end product. We we just don't know. Is it the case? You know, I keep talking about the game came too early. If he'd already got five or six goals this season, he'd have taken that chance. You know, it was it, he snatched at it a bit, didn't he? It was. Uh, I'm sure a few a month into the season, he'll he'll be taking those chances. His uh, his finishing stats are good. He's uh, we've we've all watched. Um, clips of him scoring goals, he would have scored that goal in a month's time. It just, you could just see it was, you know, he's through one on one, big game, big pressure, and he, he blew it. But, you know, to get into that position, that's what strikers are all about. Um, if you, if you, you're you in the place to score, then he'll score goals. Got no doubt about it. Just to go down another path quickly, because, you know, we've we got Tierney, he's from the, uh, the Scot- Scottish League. Uh, you know, Pepe's come from the French League. We've got uh, Saliba, he's coming in next year from the French League. Where does, you know, and we see, you know, Pepe, oh, he's, he was brilliant in the French League and that, but the Premier League is one of the, well, probably it's the best league in the world, let's face it, it's brutal, it's hard, it's tough, it's fast, uh, you know, where where do these other leagues, for you guys, I'll, I'll go with you first, Tony, and then down, where do they fit in terms of the Premier League? Like, are we worried that players are coming from Scotland to the Premier League? Are we worried that players are coming from the French League to the Premier League? Look, some, some of the best players, or at least in the top 10 players to possibly ever play in the Premier League, have come from France. If I'm thinking of Hazard, <laughs> I mean, Drogba came via France. Omri, I know he was at Juventus, but obviously played in France, Vieira. So it's, that's not much a worry. And especially like 
with Pepe, the, the miss, people weren't like, the finishing is the same in England and France. It's not like Adrian made a worldie of a save. It was a poor finish. So it's not like, I know I could do it in France, but you can't do it in England. Finishing is finishing. It doesn't make a difference where you are in the world. A good finisher will, will score goals wherever. And the amount of times we see it, I mean, look at Puki. He's a, he's a good finisher in the championship and he'll be a good finisher in the Premier League. He might not get as many chances, but if you can finish, you can finish. That's It's just one of them things. Uh, I think as in, in England especially, I don't know what, what you get in, in Australia. and we're, we're quite arrogant in that we think the Premier League is better, and, and I do think that. But then we kind of dismiss everything else that pretty much isn't La Liga uh, or Juventus. Not even Italy, just Juventus. Um, <laughs> um, Fuck Juventus. <laughs> well, no, 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 I know you support Rome over there comfortably, the best team in Italy. Yeah. Um, and the same, the same with um, with Germany. If it's not Dortmund or or Munich, in, in, unless it's a very exceptional case, everyone else is shit. That's, that's, we're very arrogant in England about stuff like that. Yeah, um, okay. I think. Do you know what's difficult? I think the teams at the top are comparable. Maybe not with Liverpool and Man City, but like the top three in, or four in, in most of the leagues are kind of semi-comparable to England. It's when you get down the bottom, like you look at a team like Burnley who sort of come 15th and but they're beaten everyone. Oh, look, I think Palace are the last team to, the last team to win away. Palace are done. Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool, United, Man, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal and City. Yeah. And a team in, say, 15th in Italy may may beat the top four once or one of the top four mm. whereas I think I think the strength in depth is what's the what's the main strength of the Premier League you, you could there's very rare you can go I guarantee three points today mm-hmm. like I mean Huddersfield was probably and Fulham were probably examples of that and what was quite a weak Premier League last year but in general like say that we all think Sheffield United are going to go down when we've done our thing I am not sitting in now saying when we go to Bramall Lane we're going to win 3-0 like and I think that's where the Premier League's tough, that you kind of don't get any pushovers. Every game's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the vast majority of. Yeah, you agree with all that, Darren? Yeah, I think good players rise up through the leagues. You know, it is stronger. I think, you know, within each team, the depth of each each squad here, you know, I agree pretty much with everything that Tony said. I've got no problem. Tierney uh, has risen. You know, he's playing in the best team in Scotland and he's the best player in that team. You know, if you if you listen to Celtic fans, he's he's a he's a, a real talent. Uh, so he's risen to the top in the top team in that league, and he's progressed to the Premier League. Very excited about him, and well, you know you've and you've got to look at Arsenal's past. You know some of the players that were picked up from from other leagues. If you're good enough, you'll you'll get to the top. I said I said when we was linked with Tierney, the 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 only thing that's a little bit surprising is in probably the last fifteen or twenty years, maybe a bit longer than that now the top teams have not taken chances on players out of Scotland. They've waited for them to go usually to Southampton, but or somewhere <laughs> yeah. mid-table. Mid, mid then go and prove yourself there, and then we'll snap you up. We might have to pay a few more, but we won't get a dud. Mm. And I think this is the first time in years, in a long, long time, that a top team has gone and plucked someone straight for Scotland. And, and that's maybe where they're, they're, not for me, but where people may have a little bit of a concern um, because it's just not been the trodden path. But, Arsenal probably can't afford to let him go to Southampton for 25 million and then be excellent and then have to try and pay 60 for him because you wouldn't we wouldn't get him. Um, so Arsenal will try to jump the queue and obviously let's hope it works. But it is something that hasn't been done for, for a long time in England. I can't 
I remember trying to think it at the time when I said it, which was at the start of the summer. I can't remember the last player that went from Scotland directly to a top four side or top six side. I mean, we had one Yama that went to, to Tottenham. Oh, no, he went to Southampton first anyway. But, yeah, I can't remember anyone. Okay, um, you wouldn't believe it. Schwinn's popped up in the questions, but it's okay, boys, because Brad's answered Schwinn's questions, so we can move straight along. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Schwinn says. Yeah, Schwinn having a little argument with someone in there about <laughs> yeah. having an agenda. Yeah, 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 I noticed that. Uh, Schwinn says so. He's got three questions. I'll start with the third one. Reminder: kindly announce Wenger banned for all listener questions. <laughs> Just to, just because Tez cut me out of this earlier, I don't know if Tez and Schwinn and Darren are joining me on this. I'm not answering. If anyone, including Tez, just asked me a question about Wenger that relates to current football, I'm just completely ignoring it. I will sit here in silence. The only thing I'd like to say is I'd like to see him back at the Emirates now. I'd like, he's he's dignified enough to stay away from a year for a year. I'd like to see him. He's a supporter. I'd like to see him up in the director's box watching the games now. Yeah, look, I, I'm not banning on talking about Wenger. It was just coming from, oh, uh, Wenger would have got done yeah, this. Yeah, that's, that's, would have it's done gone. That. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's left the club. It's gone. Um, okay, so let's get to Schwind. Uh, can we now start calling Emery Tinkerman now? Who saw that formation set up coming? I certainly didn't. Um, we did touch on that, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. Sorry, Schwinn. Uh, do you realistically <laughs> see? Do you realistically see Granite have a future at Arsenal under Emery? Go on, Darren. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was. I, I thought yesterday when you saw the team in the first two games of the season. You know where he's. Oh, the last two games, should we say, where he hasn't picked him. It did make me it's think. Only one. Sorry, he played against Arsenal. Uh, did he play last week though? No, that's what I'm saying. He only missed one. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're right. When when he wasn't uh, wasn't selected last week, he was injured, wasn't he? He was out, and and our midfield played so well last week. I thought that you know there are some doubts now. He is a little slow. Uh, is he going to be one of these players that we cash in on because he is a thirty million pound midfielder? I'm sure, unlike Mustafi and uh, and El Nenny, we'd have offers on the table for him now if he was up for sale. But I think he's going to be an integral part this year still. He's uh, Premier League, you know, he's established, he knows the, the club, he knows the game, and could even be named our captain. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're going to see some competition for places now, and he's not the first name on the team sheet. One thing you've got to say in his favour as well, he is very rarely injured. He's a very strong man, isn't he? You know, he's, he's not like Ramsey, who... We miss. Can we talk about Ramsey? Now he's left the. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ramsey. Depends you know, if you're going to start comparing him to Willow. No, but Ramsey was uh, Ramsey was out for a third of every season. You know, forget the the leg break and all that. But he was always had thigh strains. Jack is very rarely injured, so I think he'll be an integral part of that side this year. But I think possibly he could move on next year. He's also just to add to that. He's also a very good captain. I'd, I'd argue he's a better captain than he is player. Yeah, um, I was just about to say that after that podcast that we listened on the BBC, that blew me away a little bit, actually. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, the only bit I, I slightly disagree with what Darren said is I probably think he is one of the first names on the team sheet. He uh, has been. He certainly no, has no, been. I mean, I think he will be going forward. Okay. Uh, just to be honest, I, yesterday was the, the turning point for me on that because I wasn't sure if he was going to play. I probably thought he would come back in, but I wasn't nailed on but when you see they're bringing back in like that I, I, for me that sort of cements that that Emery is going to basically pick him if he's fit and as you said he, he's seemingly always fit 
So for me, I, I, I think he, he's there and we're going to see injury allowing 30 plus Premier League games from him this season. Okay, Vinny says, does Emery have the con- kahunas or conjoined skills? Cajones. 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 <laughs> Spanish. Spanish for bollocks. Cajones. Cajones. I don't know. What do you call it? Cajones. I call it Cajones. Yeah, but that's because you can't read. And I speak (laughs) Spanish. That's what it it is here. It's it's Cajones. 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 Where where were you? I suppose. Um, Anyway, skills to manage a big club like Arsenal. Because in big games, we must create many chances, which we didn't despite our bad finishing. A situation like two shots, two goals for tot shit versus Man City is a rarity, 1-0. Does he have the big... Does he have the kahunas? Go on. Cajones. 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 Does he have that? Does he have the nuts, the knackers, the bowls? not for me in in a short answer not for me I, I think he he could he may be the manager to get us back in the top four the the difficulty for me comes if he gets top four they'll they'll keep him on and I don't I think he may be the manager to get us top four I a hundred percent don't think he's the manager to take us beyond that okay what about you Darren um uh, I'm I'm a positive fan let's give him some time we've we've had one manager who won't be named Voldemort uh, he's he's not he's is you know we had our last manager for 22 years. I'm excited by the, the um, having manager that is tactically astute, that changes things, that doesn't uh, play the same way. Um, if we use Wenger, he didn't change his side. Uh, he just played his own way of football. And when he had the best players, it worked. And when he didn't, it didn't. This manager at least is changing things. I've always said, let's give him three or four transfer windows. Uh, let's see what sort of side he can build. He's 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 made his way to the top of the of the manager um, ladder, and I have seen nothing. I mean, he's made mistakes, but it was his first year in the Premier League. I think let's give him another year and let's see what sort of football we play this year. This year is vital. This year is is not just about finishing in the top four, although that is a hundred percent the main thing uh, to do. But it's about how we play football this year. And if we're excited to watch and we're fun to watch, and I think we will be, then, yeah, let's give him a, a five-year contract. <laughs> no, no, well, funny you say that because, mate, I, I tend to agree with you because a lot of people you know that I'm a Roma fan. And, mate, we've had five, five managers in five years or something. One, two, three... You know, so, so yeah, it's, it's up there. Season, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I was thinking it's more than five, but but you know th- what I'm getting at is the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So just look at Chelsea. <laughs> look at. Also, uh, I mean, Chelsea win things. No, no. Look at Chelsea. It's worked for them. Changing their manager every eighteen months. Tony, I'm not disagreeing. It's worked for them. But look how that changes the mentality of the fan when last year they had a manager that the fans are so used to having somebody new you know and and some have worked some have worked better than others but within two months they decided that Sarri wasn't going to be good enough for Chelsea uh, and they didn't give him a chance they just you know from Sarri out was was a hashtag from from two weeks in 
And I just don't want us to be like that as a football club. You know, we are a club that's got some class about us, that's got something. We've given a guy a job to, to, to build a project. He says he's, he, he felt under no pressure last year, and some people thought that was wrong, and I understand that point of view. But he was able to work with his team to try to get the best out of them. Now he's had another transfer window. They've got some new players in to work with. Let's see what he can do. Let's not let's not criticise him now. We've, we, we missed out last year by a point, and the end of our season was terrible. Let's hope he's learned from that. But let's give him this season. Let's let's get behind him. You know, uh, I, I've seen nothing to dislike. Yeah, I, I, I know that's what I say. I, you know, I, like I said, as a Roma fan, I'm I'm not one to be swapping and changing managers every fucking three months. So, um, bit of consistency, and I don't mind that Emery's there. And I I'll give him this year, next year, and we'll see how things go. But yeah, let's settle with let's, let's just settle back if, on five if, years. <laughs> he doesn't. If he doesn't get top four this year. I don't care how exciting we are to watch. He has to get the bullet. I had a conversation with you, Tony. I was having a, having a chat to a couple of Tottenham fans because I'm just a lovely bloke who talks to everybody. And the mentality, you, you confirmed this during the week, the mentality of the Tottenham fan was... <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this. <laughs> he's, he's OK if the performance of his team is better than last season. If he wins no silverware Now for me I at least expect some silverware From a season um, You know if this year's top four And okay if we're at Europa League final I would like to think okay we win that I'm not saying you've got to win silverware Every year but for me that is My aim as a fan I'm not thinking of putting pressure On somebody And you know. but if, Again If we come fifth and he wins the league cup, he get that for me. If it was my decision. I do agree that um, you know, he's, he's we've spent a lot of money. Uh, he's in his second year in the Premier League and top four is essential. You know, if he can't use what we've bought this summer to get us into the top four in a year where Chelsea are in uh, transition, big transition this year, and Manchester United are fucking awful. If he doesn't get into the top four this year, I think you're probably right. You know, uh, we, we we shouldn't even be having the discussion. But I'm looking at the season positive and think we will. I think we will. I think we will. I'm no, just saying that yeah. if we and don't. if we do it. So to counter what you're saying, and I agree 100. If he doesn't get in, uh, he's not the right manager for us. But if he does get in and we play great football and we score a lot of goals and we're exciting to watch, isn't that a great thing? And then continue the project, and why but can't I, he take us back but to I the think top? Next, I think next year, though, if, if if he gets top four this year, right, and let's say Europa League's get the winner, we're made top four because that's really what we all want: Champions League football. But then next year, where are you setting the bar for next year? Are you setting the bar for a trophy? Yeah, the next year. I mean, I don't like to look that far ahead, but for next year, I want Arsenal Football Club to be challenging for the title. I mean, that's where we should be. You know, I've um, been supporting them for a long time and I've gone through periods, blimey, from 71 to 89, 18 years where we're in the, we were in the wilderness. We had more relegation fights. We were Everton. We finished seventh, you know, multiple times in that period. I, you know, I was an Arsenal fan. I followed them home and away through a lot of that period and it wasn't fun. You know, I've been to Wrexham when we got knocked out of the FA Cup, to York where we knocked out the third round of the FA Cup. I've had some disastrous games. I've watched them home and away, 
because I love the club. It wasn't fun. And then we've been spoiled with with some great titles over the years. The George Graham side was great. You know, the Wenger side was great. I want Arsenal Football Club to be challenging for the title. And that's where he's got to be next year. He'll have another transfer window, a year's more experience. And, and I think if we're in the Champions League, then we can buy some new players. Okay, I'll pump through these questions because I just realised we're spending quite a bit of time here. <laughs> be a fucking three-hour show. Um, Vinny, <laughs> despite what people are saying, the first goal was cons- consequence of sustained pressure and too many crosses, which led to six or more corners in the first half. The shape itself was too narrow and it didn't allow to switch flanks or stretch the Liverpool back line. Um, I'll continue on. Hacken says, was this how you guys wanted us to play against Liverpool? What changes would you guys make under that game? Uh, Look, I've said no. Darren's okay with it. Tony, you're probably a no as well. But what changes quickly would you have changed, made to that game? I'll just have one. I'd have had Ceballos having the game he had last week, this week. <laughs> and it <laughs> might <can>. have worked. <laughs> I, I might buy a lotto so, ticket too. <laughs> you can't have that. Now, what, 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 what would you change? Come on. Formation, that, players. I would like to see the same again with a really uh, outstanding performance by number 10, linking that. That play, we didn't have anyone. Would, That's would, all I would change. I'm, I'm sort of serious. If Sabayos was as good last this week, yeah, I think uh, that was. If he was on the bench, that might have been the change I would have made at half time. Sabayos yeah. or Ozil. Yeah, yeah, okay. Tony, uh, I would have gone four two three one uh, to give us some width and actually give someone that could track back with their fullbacks rather than Willock not knowing whether to go out and Gwendozi not knowing whether to go out or stay narrow on the other side. Obviously, that would have meant the change in personnel. Um, again, we don't know on Torreira's fitness, so we can't. I can't really include him. Um, I, look, Ceballos had a bad game, so that it's hindsight. But I, I would have probably played him or Willock at ten in a four-two-three-one, and I probably would have. Look, again, Lacazette's fitness, we don't know. Ideally, I would have played a Bamiyang, Pepe, and Lacazette. Um, we just needed whip to try and stop them guys, which we didn't get. Even. I probably would have preferred Nelson or Mkhitaryan over what happened because as I maintain that they were going to score from getting that many chances through their fullbacks. Like just giving them their fullbacks a ball that much with absolutely no one anywhere near them was a recipe for disaster. And I, I think you can't let their fullbacks have have free reign. There's teams you can do it with and there's good teams you can do it with because they're like, say, say United. I really rate Wan-Bissaka, but he's not an attacking threat. So you can leave him to have the ball all day long. You can't do that with Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. And I, I think, as I said, I, as soon as I saw the way they set up, I didn't see it from the team sheets. I didn't really know how they're going to set up. But as soon as I sat in my seat and I saw the way we actually shaped up, you knew the game was done. Okay, we'll move on quickly. Um, Vin, Vinny says, with a central front two against uh, Van Dijk, uh, even though it's a 2v2, the forwards to work within a small central area to create chances, playing near vertical football, playing lacquer in a three would have been better hold-up play and link up in front of the Liverpool defence. Well, it would have also, it would have. Uh, the, the, what I was saying earlier is the first 10 minutes, Pepe had a little bit of joy against Robertson or a lot of joy against Robertson. So then because there was no one central really... Van Dyke just covered over and Pepe had 
two, if not three, with Fabinho coming over men like in his sort of area every time. If you have a Lacazette or a nine, as I said, we don't know about Lacazette's fitness, but if you had a nine, then Van Dijk then can't go and do that. Or even if a Bamiang would have stayed in the middle and you had a, a Reese Nelson or a Mkhitaryan on the left, someone to occupy and drag Van Dijk away, then it gives Pepe more joy. And if he beats Robertson, then he's in rather than beating Robertson and then still having Van Dijk ahead of him, who just backs off until he's in, in this crowd. Um, I just I think that system was, was where the game was lost, really. Okay, um, there's a couple of questions I've missed because we've already touched on. Uh, Siddhartha, Darren, he says, how long does it take for Emery to realise Arsenal cannot play like Burnley? Inviting Liverpool fullbacks to cross into the box for the whole 45 minutes and it eventually led to a first goal. Also, what do you think of Lacazette not starting the game? Any big away game he doesn't start? No, I think we've touched on all of that, really. I mean, uh, I thought we were fairly solid at the back and we our problem was the output. We just let them keep coming and coming and coming. And you're right, that was a mistake. But it was the personal, it was some off days from Ceballos. You know, we were playing with 10 men. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've touched on Lacazette. We, I think we've yeah, done Lacazette no, to done death. Lacazette. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of questions we've already touched on here. Um, I'll just I'll read them out because these guys took the time to write them. So, ball winder. The character of the Gunners has gone. Oh, and actually, I haven't heard this one before. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, bull, yeah. Bullwinder, uh, I was understood from my time in India, it's Balvinder. Because <laughs> I could be Bullwinder on, on my podcast. Okay. And, and I was ridiculed because it's Balvinder. It's Balvinder. Okay. Right, oh, Ball. Well, guess what he might get. Uh, did, he, did he have a crack at you for calling him Ballwinder? He was fine, but the, okay. the, the co-hosts of my podcast who were Indian guys, uh, Adup and uh, Nikhil, uh, they all took the piss out of me because it's Balvinder. Balvinder, okay. Sorry, Ballwinder. Balvinder. Bel, <laughs> you know what he's going to get here every week, though, don't you? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Classic. Okay. Cheers for that. Okay. The character of the Gunners has gone. They looked overwhelmed. Norwich should. Norwich should more metal. Metal. Showed. Uh, just trying to follow this. Emery should have started the more uh, precocious and experienced players. So. Again, Lacazette, he's thinking. Uh, you can't just walk into Anfield and think you deserve to be there. Torreira, Klasnach, he also says should have started. Mm, we didn't touch on Klasnach at all. Nobody said in, our, in all of our chat for the last hour and a half, I don't think one of you guys has said Klasnach. He's not good enough for me. Uh, I, I think he's a good squad player, but I wouldn't be disappointed if he leaves the club this summer before the transfer window ends. Mm. I think uh, Monreal. Mon it's more likely to see Monreal out the door. I think Monreal. Yeah, I think it is yeah. more likely. Um, but I think uh, Monreal is the most consistent player in our side. He was a player of the season for me a couple of times in the last five years. He, you know what you're going to get. He gives us an option as centre half, and Tierney is going to be first choice. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I like Klasnak when he came to the side. I thought he was going to be a, a perfect signing. He was free. He's hard. He's strong. Good character in the dressing room. But I just don't think he's quite good enough to be at the top level of the Premier League. A bit similar to Iwobi. You loved Iwobi. Wanted him to really be part of our plans going forward. But I just think they're very good Premier League players. They're not very good top three Premier League players. And uh, and you know, so he's just not good enough for me. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason I, just to go on it quickly, the reason I didn't mention Kolasinac is that, look, I, I, for me, I've seen a clear point of us, our fullback staying at home a lot more. That is the exact opposite to his strength. His strength, he's very good going forward and getting in behind, getting to the, to the byline. And, I mean, whether he puts the ball in, whether it's good or not, is a bit a toss of a coin. But his strength is going forward and using his power and breaking forward. If we're going to have fullbacks that stay at home, and, and especially he's so bad playing out from the back, I think he's really going to struggle. You know, we're talking about the technical capability from playing out the back. That's where he let me down. He's a very square on player. He, he's, he just flicks it down the line because he gets good. Yeah. He's, he's not technically. He just it down you know, he's just not technically good enough at the level that we need to be at, and I think that's the trouble with us over the last three or four years: is our players just aren't good enough to play the way we want to play, and we're starting to change this. T and he's a technical, uh, gifted player. Bellerin, you know, we are introducing players who can play football now, and I'm comfortable with that. Kalasinac and Iwobi um, don't quite fit in that for me. You know, they're not. They're good Premier League players, but they're not top two, top three Premier League players. And that's where we want to be in two years. So uh, I see Kalasinac as being either a good squad player or just let's make some money from him. OK, I'm just going to go the North uh, the North Carolina gunner, and he must be a new listener. I haven't heard a question from him before, so thank you. Uh, but he's saying uh, Emery got it totally wrong, 1,000% wrong. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> Setting up with a diamond midfield, the space when they switched sides of the field was insanity. He totally got it wrong. <laughs> when are we going to rely on one system? Uh, D. Gunnar, I haven't heard him either. Are we, are we saying this loss is because the third kit is cursed like we did with Puma? <laughs> a couple from MAA Gunner, but we've all touched on pretty much. I'm just having a quick look. Willick and Gwenduzi similar. Uh, do we need both of them? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think they're similar. I think Willock has a lot more pace and power and Gwendoza is a lot more sure on the ball. OK, do we really see Abemiang, Lacazette and Pepe all playing up front for most games? If not, if if we don't have a backup in case of injuries? Uh, Martinelli, Martinelli, though, he's, he's there for injuries, isn't he? I mean, I think it's more if, look, if one of them's out long term, they, then they're going to have to change things. But I think while they are fit, I think that is what we're going to see. Is I, I can't see him continuously benching one of them. But I, if the, the problem does come is if any one of them is injured, the system will probably have to change. Mm. Um, and you can make a case for any of them that if they're injured, it has to change massively. Andy Jones must be a new listener as well. I haven't heard of Andy before, so thank you once again for your question. What is our best formation midfield pairing partnership? He says, I'm behind you and I, but he still doesn't seem to know which his which he's preferred formation is. Uh, 4-2-3-1, Leno. He's saying, that I presume this is his. 4-2-3-1, Leno, Bellerin, Socrates, Holding, Tierney, Tuera, Willock, Sabolas, Sabalas, Sabios, Sabios. You know it means onions in Spanish, yeah. Does it? Sabios. That's why I called him Danny Young, Danny Onions Danny at the start. That's his name, Danny Onions. Ah, well. I think it's a lot easier to say. Uh, Pepe, Lacazette, and Abemiang, uh when all fit, that would be his choice. Uh, any changes you boys make there? Who did he have uh, in the mid two midfield? Uh, Torreira and Willock. And, so, and then Sabias. Uh, there's uh, for me that the, the the 
back and the, the defence and the attack and the keeper, I agree with. I've been saying all along that the midfield for me is always going to be horses for courses. And uh, I think we're going to play a flat three ahead of a lot more rather than a two and a ten, um, as in two deep and then a number ten. But I think that literally it's just going to depend on who we're playing. I, I don't think we have a strongest midfield. I think we have a strongest midfield for situation A and situation B and depending on what situation they see coming in that game. Like, a lot of people would put Xhaka in their strongest midfield, but you can't argue with against Burnley. The midfield we played was probably our best, or, or Torreira, let's say Torreira, because most people hate Xhaka. Uh, a lot of people would put him in our best midfield, but I, I think what we use against Burnley would work better than any midfield with Torreira in it. So I think it just completely is dependent on who you're playing. Okay. Um, look, that's about it. We're going to wrap up the questions. However, I've left Joe's question for last because we wanted to touch on this subject anyway. So we'll, we'll read his question and then you boys can touch. And it's based around VAR. Uh, would VAR benefit from an appeal, appeal bad base system similar to the tennis with a team having the ability to appeal a referee's ruling? The team could keep the appeal if they're found... Uh, to be right or loss if they are wrong thoughts. So you guys obviously know how the VAR system works around tennis. Um, I will start with you, though, Tony. Uh, Very good question, and it's something that's been muted about. I actually prefer the cricket system where if it's very marginal, like in tennis, if if it's out by a millimetre and you challenge it, you lose your challenge, which I think is a bit unlucky. Like A millimetre is obviously so tiny. Um, whereas the, the cricket system, for anyone that doesn't know it, if it's like very close and they say it's 50-50, but we're going to stick with what the umpire or the umpire said, you don't lose your challenge because it's like you weren't technically wrong, but you know what I mean? It, it's close. One day you might get it, one day you might not. So I prefer that system. Um, they've got to be careful if they – they won't go down that rope. If they do it, they've got to be careful to stop time-wasting and breaks in play. Mm. Um that there's a lot of issues I mean there's I, I can't I don't know because I like that there's some stuff that won't be seen that is clearly wrong but the ref hasn't seen it and and like if say one player feels like he got kicked and no one else has seen it how does he then get the message to whoever it is that's got a challenge you can't have any player can challenge at any point because then it would just get crazy get I mean, it's got to get a captain call really yeah, but I mean, then when do you wait to the break in play? It's mm. not as. And then what tennis, influence does the manager have? Does he yell out, you go challenge, you know? It is hard. Yeah, or the crowd. And, and the thing is, with tennis and cricket, there's a very definite break in play. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's very quick. A tennis point, if it goes over 20 seconds, is miraculous. Cricket, the, the ball's dead at the end of the. You know what I mean? You, you bowl, yeah. the guy hits it or misses it, and that's it. It's a dead game. Just like, very pod, like so, the bombs will blow at the end of the scenario. Oi, I've just checked the score. We're passing you up. <laughs> Only need 121 runs to win. Oh, six wickets in hand. That's why I want to finish this podcast so I can listen to the cricket. Um, yeah. can, I, can, I, can I have my two papers from VAR? Because yeah, yeah. it's uh, I'm I'm a I'm a cynic, um, and my angle is quite clear. I don't want it in the game. Don't like it at all. And I know I'm old-fashioned. The game has been pretty damn good for for decades. You know, we've been having football for years, and 
as the cynic in me thinks that uh, VAR has been brought in, eventually we'll have advertising come on the screens when VAR's on. VAR will be sponsored and it's uh, a way to introduce, you know, TV, TV audiences are huge now, so I understand why they're doing it, but it will be advertised eventually. But Football's a subjective game. You can have 10 people in a room and all disagree about an incident, whether it's a penalty or not a penalty. Just listen to this podcast, you know, the Luis uh, Paul on uh, on Salah t- uh, yesterday. I thought it was a penalty. Uh, Tony didn't. But football is all about celebrating a goal. And I've, I've been at games already this year where suddenly you just don't know, should we celebrate? You know, is that going to be contradicted? Is it going to be chalked off? And and the fundamental part of being a football fan is is cheering when a goal goes in. That's what football's all about. Um, but going back to the, the guy who asked the question, who was it? I didn't catch his name. Um, it's a really good question. Um, uh, yeah, I've... Uh, really good question because I think this is the way we have to do it I've I've been to a few games already this season there's some nonsense VAR decisions you know the the City West Ham game where a goal was chalked off because a guy was eight centimetres offside uh, or eight millimetres it was a ridiculous a nostril hair offside Um, the the City Spurs game where uh, the Spurs player bundled over um, uh, a Man City guy in the, in the area wasn't given by VAR, wasn't a penalty. Silver was wrestled to the ground, no penalty. The handball in the same game that nobody spotted, nobody was interested in, and yet it was given as offside. Not VAR's fault. VAR had highlighted the new rule in our offside law, but it, it was a nonsense in football for that goal to be disallowed. And then yesterday I was watching Norwich Chelsea, and Aston Laquerta got felled in the box. He was running through, got Kicked. The guy swung his leg around to kick the ball, missed the ball completely, took Asper Laquerto out. Uh, VAI uh, said it was okay. It wasn't. It was a stonewall penalty. So the VAR isn't working. So for me, the solution is very similar to what the, the, the guy who asked the question uh, said. You know, I like the cricket system but we have to let the referee and the linesman officiate the game they have to be the the ones who make the decisions and they're pretty good at it at the top level they're pretty good um and like you mentioned with the cricket they have a, an umpire's call so in those offside decisions let's give a a 10 margin of error either way so that if the attacker is less than 10 percent or whatever they decide the rule to be it goes with the the linesman's call. It goes with the assistant referee's call, um, because it is you know if, if the rule of offside is if you're level, you're onside. And I know to the letter of the law, if his nostril hair is in front, then then it's disallowed. But that's wrong. That's not in the ethos of the game. So let the teams have one challenge, one challenge per match through the captain. And that can be for anything. That can be for a penalty decision, an off-the-ball incident, a sending off, or, or obviously a goal. And if, they, if they're successful in that challenge, then they keep that challenge. And the game will flow. You know, as a support winner grounds, it's nonsense. You're just standing about waiting and not sure what's happening. And, and I, I think that VAR in its current format, we're, we're sanitizing our game of football. And that's good in some ways because by sanitizing football, we're getting rid of players diving in penalty areas because they know they'll be spotted. We're getting rid of those things off the ball incidents. We're not seeing a, a centre half puncher, centre forward in the kidneys because they know it will be spotted. So having this technology works for some things. But how much do we want to sanitise our game? How much do we want to clean it up where the goals that I've mentioned, the eight centimetres offside and the and the nostril hair ahead and the and the handball, those shouldn't be part of football. And and I think we need to change it. I think it will be changed. 
feel sorry. I, I don't think it will be changed, but there, I mean, it is. I'm swaying more towards hating it every week. I mean, being at the ground yesterday, look, Liverpool's one of the only grounds without big screens, so they announced checking potential red card. That's all they said. Liverpool had a corner. I still don't really know what they were checking. Uh, the only, as I said, the only time I used my phone was at half time, and I messaged pretty much everyone I knew that would be watching the game, saying, "What the fuck did they check?" Literally, still no one can tell me. No, I no match of the no. day, and still no one is really sure. No, I watched the game on the TV yesterday, Tony, and they're saying check it for red card, and we watched the incident three or four times, and I still can't see what the the incident was. You know, and, it's, and it's again, like they're, they're only like, they're only checking for the red card. So for me, if it's a potential red card, there's got to be a foul in there. So whatever happened is a red card or not, there, there should have been a free kick or a penalty. Or where, I actually still don't know. Like. Don't get involved when there's something like that, when absolutely no one is questioning it. I'll be honest, the Liverpool fans didn't know if they were checking something, if their player should be sent off. We didn't know. They showed still him, don't know. They I showed still him don't know. Still don't know. Van Dijk saying he thought it was handball. Still yeah, don't still know. don't know. Still don't know. Watched it three or four times. Still don't know who they were and um, this is the problem. This is the major problem with VAR, and I've said to Tony, we've had it in the rugby league in the NRL here for nearly twenty years. We've had it in the A League for probably four or five years. It is a complete waste of fucking time. And and look, I agree with the points that you're making, Darren. Is yeah, okay. It's stopping the old mate from punching, punching in the kidneys, and and you know inside the box area and stuff. But the problem with VAR is they try and outsmart themselves. So all of a sudden they start looking at things and then they start looking at things in slow motion and then they go, oh, let's look at that again, you know, and it just evolves and they try and outsmart themselves to a point when you where they just watch, keep fucking up things. And when you try and watch something in slow motion, oh, it's, you know, you, you can't, can't tell you if there's, can't. how strong was a push. You, can't, yeah. you can see a hand in the back, but you don't yep. know how strong that hand know. in the back was. Let the referee decide and if the, uh, if the team that's uh, uh, on the wrong end of a decision thinks they've been uh, uh, thinks there's been an injustice then they can appeal through the captain he wants to have a look at it let them do it and then the, the game goes on and we're trying surely I, I listened to Tony last week and I agree with what he was saying we're trying to get rid of the bad decisions in our game when there's some you know goal line technology works that's great but we're trying to stop the the real big referee lines from mistakes we're trying to take that out we're not trying to overanalyze our game and over sanitize the game the game works as it is you score a goal you celebrate you know and and there will be abuses if you bring in an appeal system you know if you're letting a goal with a minute to go and you've still got an appeal you'll appeal you know yeah. like they're doing cricket they'll, I'm, they'll I'm use happy. the appeal i'm happy with offside calls and and that's it. And as me and Tony said, we had a big discussion on it there. Couple one, I don't know, one night Tony in our WhatsApp with the fucking handball thing. And for the life of me, I still can't understand the rule. I, I, I just, understand the rule. I, I understand it, but I don't understand where they, where they plucked it from. Like it's just, it's just fucking ludicrous. Just, yeah, I mean, look, they've seen a goal scored with a hand and tried to counteract that, but. I think they've yeah, just done it in, yeah. in the most ridiculous... I, look, I, to be honest, in some way I feel sorry for them because I don't know what the answer is. I know that the answer they've come up with is the wrong one, but I, I don't know what the answer is. You obviously... Like, I mean, Aguero scored against us with a hand. Lorente scored in the Champions League with a hand. 
it, it, that can't happen. But, but the things that it would uh, correct. Remember the Henri handball for France against Ireland. Yeah. You know, Ireland could appeal that, and that goal's not given. Well, you know, look at the it, hand it, of it, God, Maradona. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's, those are the you things know? that yeah. players have seen, and they know there's an injustice. We're trying to get rid of those. But if a player is um, eight centimetres offside in a fast-moving, non-stop start game like cricket and tennis. That's against the the way we want to watch football. Yeah, I think I think the difficulty with the appeal system and and say Tottenham, say the Tottenham game last week, if they used a, a frivolous appeal for that second goal, just it's the last minute or the third goal, sorry, it's yeah. the last minute they've got an appeal there. Does that then get chalked off? Yeah. Because Do you know what? Yeah, I thought it through, Tony. You're right. It is one of those. Uh, that was the absolute example I was thinking of. That goal with the with the handball rule as it stands, that would have been chalked off. And by the letter of the law, it would have been right. But, but then that, they only that, do it because it's a frivolous appeal. Whereas if, yeah. they, if that happened in the tenth minute, it doesn't happen. And that's where I think. Look, I I always say I only want consistency. And I think the problem with that sort of system is you could have two goals that are literally identical, the same exact goal, and one will be allowed and one wouldn't. And for me, that is my problem. As I said, I don't mind shit decisions as long as they're consistently shit. I don't yeah. want bi- I don't want bias in Arsenal favour. As I said, I want equal, whether it's shit, at, whether it's equal at good or equal at shit. I don't really care. Yeah. And I think that is the big problem with that system. That as I said, the two goals you could play a replay essentially of the same goal. But because one team has a challenge and one doesn't, one counts and one doesn't, that's not for me. Yeah, but that's that's the way it's evolved in cricket. Now, you have to be sensible about your appeals. You have to be sensible. It stops frivolous ones because you've only got one, you know, uh, or two. No, that's what I'm saying. Say Tottenham, just, Tottenham kept one, just they, they had no reason to use it. And in the last minute, yeah, whereas, that, whereas if but, in the 10th minute, they wouldn't have challenged it because they think we might need that for an actual reason later. Because no one saw that handball. No, but at the Man City uh, West Ham game at the start of the season, uh, I, there were seven referrals to VAR, seven, and they all lasted two or three minutes long. You know, it was twenty-one yeah. minutes of of standing about as a supporter, going, "What's going on?" And that's what it was for me. I'm a supporter. I want to watch football. And if it went to at least an appeal system, then you know, you know, it's only going to happen to normally to get rid of an injustice. And there will be some luckier things go on there. But it, it's got to be better than the system. We've got now. Oh, look, yeah, look, this doesn't work. I'm not. There's. I'm not defending this system. I just. I don't think that an appeal. As I said, for me, I just want consistency. And where something is on the luck of whether you have an appeal left just by absolute chance, I, I'm not really a fan of. I, I don't know the answer. I'm not sitting here pretending to be yeah. knowing all. Mm. But that system doesn't work for me. But I, I think it would work for most people. I think I'd be in the minority if I'm honest. But well, that was. No, I'm, I'm hearing you. That was Joe, that was Joe who asked that question, and, and look, good this question, is, Joe. It was a good question. This will be a question that that you know we will pop up on the podcast quite a bit. I feel, and, and I said it last season, it'll be something that we'll discuss VAR because there's going to be some decisions that people disagree with throughout the that as the season rolls out. So I, I I think we will pick this one up, boys, for sure. Um, okay, very quickly, I think that's about us, boys. We might have to do the bolt because I think we've gone well over two hours. Um, yes. <laughs> my, my, my wife left with the car keys 20 minutes ago for our dinner date, uh, lunch date, so yes. <laughs> yeah, so we're going so, to have to so, leave it there. <laughs> we're going to have to go um, because also, and people are going, oh, but it's really good stuff, but yeah. I can't upload any more than fucking 
a certain content. So if I actually go more than two hours, you're going to get it in two podcasts. <laughs> so anyway, Darren, it's been a pleasure to have you, mate. Um, yeah, thanks you for having us on. You don't know this yet, but we're going to sit down and have a yak on Guna de Guna too one day. We'll learn about Darren, so that'll be coming out for the listeners. Um, I, I look forward to it. <laughs> and Tony, Almost uh, as much as I look forward to watching us beat the Aussies as well. Oh, fuck, I was no, just... No, he's going to be unbearable. I just, have to I just looked at the score and I'm like, are oh, you kidding, are you? <laughs> yeah, it's half a chance. Tez, Tez hasn't mentioned cricket all summer. Suddenly, <laughs> if they win this test, he's going to walk around with stumps in his hand. <laughs> yeah, big if, if me auntie was... I've got, me, I've got me whites on today, boys. <laughs> okay, Tony, as always, mate, thank you. Thank you. We'll be back after the Tottenham game. Who knows, we might even pop up before the Tottenham game and give a um, North London Derby preview and whatnot. So. Yeah, we might have to. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You've been listening to the Clock End Talk and Arsenal podcast. You can follow us at Clock End underscore talk. Thank you, Cunson. See you later. <laughs> Thank you.